Hey, this is Cullen Bunn, the writer of the Six Gun, Magneto, and Sinestro, and you are listening to Eleven O'Clock Comics. <laughs> You know, people, I'm looking at my Skype roll call here. You, y'all got to change your, your flavor text because I look at the same things every week, and it, it, it's getting a little old. Oh, what's mine say? Even Zach, who is very creative. That is true. His, his, his says Mennonite Surf Party forever. Yeah. Well, mine said Betrayal for like <laughs> seven years, and then you pointed out, and I change it, and then I end up falling asleep that episode. So it's yeah. Right. What did you t- tell the folks at home what you changed it to? Exhausting. Right, exhausting. As in, I hate Keith Giffen. That's what exhausted I, me. I couldn't even tell you that you talked about Keith Giffen. I was out before that even started. Oh. You are a narcoleptic lad. I should be narcolad, yeah. <laughs> That's okay. We still love it. I was going to say, I feel like this is, the, this is the beginning of the end. <laughs> Look, the events can start getting mad at me. <laughs> I, I, I'm incapable of getting mad. It is very true. I have tried. Well, really? <laughs> Sure. Now, I used to get you mad like years ago, but it's been a long time. When and over what? Oh, I don't know. I'm sure it happened. Before you fall <laughs> madly I... in love with me, I'm sure it was easier to get mad at me. That was from day one, dude. Nice. Oh, I'm I blushing was... over here. I was over the hump. My tan skin, you can't see my blush, but I'm blushing. <laughs> yeah. Tan I'm like chalk. I'm a pink. <laughs> pale, bitches. It's like you remember those, uh, those like. Pile of blow. Those like 1970s era. Like, um, they were like the human body, but you could see through the skin, so you could see all Oh, I, I love those models. I am that. You're talking about the invisible man? of that. Yep. I had the skull, the visible man, but I didn't have the visible woman. What about the, uh, what, wasn't what about that. the nutrition dude every afternoon with the, um, oh, come on, what the hell was his name? Actually, they made fun of him on Archer last year when they shrunk down into the, uh, wouldn't have seen Oh, that. I know you wouldn't have seen it. I'm going to find it. How about Bill Cosby with the picture pages? Whole uh, new light. Brown Hornet. Shit. Right about that. Yep. Whole new light. Planet Yubba. That shit cray. That's nuts. That shit cray. It's just, you know what? Fat Albert is still one of my hurt, favorite hurt. cartoons. I don't care. Fat Albert. Whatever the man has done, I really don't care. I really enjoyed Fat Albert as a kid. And I Me still too. like it. Yeah. Love the Brown Hornet. Yep. Yep. No doubt. Hey, man, love the Cosby Show. I love Fat Albert. Hilarious. You didn't like the Cosby Show? Wasn't your thing? Nah. I I I actually implement what Beth and I implement a rule that I got from the Cosby Show. Really? Yeah, no kids allowed into the bedroom without knocking under any circumstances. That's from the Cosby Show? Mm -hmm. Yep. I thought that was just just plain good common sense. Nah, man. Listen, I don't know how it's a generational thing, but I feel like quite a few parents I know I'll hear stuff like, oh, yeah, I was trying to sleep in, but then my kids climbed in bed with me at, like, 5 in the morning. I'm like, pardon? I'm like, hell nah. Mm-mm. That's not how it goes. But I got so, <laughs> so so to take my have... boys to see Deadpool. Yeah, did you oh, ever I have see. a kid outside oh, just, like, knocking for hours? Oh, I <laughs> no, see. we're not. We're not. We're not. We're Come on, not. Dad. Dude, my, dude, my thing is, if you know Why's you mommy crying? kids, so that's... <laughs> Why is mommy crying? Why mommy? Mommy's mo- mommy's voice sounds muffled. I wonder why. Dude. Come on. <laughs> no, we'll let's save the Deadpool talk for when we talk about the movie. That's cool. Well, yeah. if, if we're talking about the movie, I don't know if everybody saw it. 
Well, that's, um, that's bad on him. Oh, okay, Mr. Walking Dead. You see that? I said he probably didn't because he was like, I watched it last night in anticipation. Listen, I, I burned up a lot of goodwill last week. I need to make sure I came strong this week. I hit it. David just squealed like Shanae. <laughs> oh, I watched that it. It was strong. I'll tell you what, that show is, uh, I know I gave it a hard time that first season or two, but it's, uh, it is rounded into form. Yes. All right. Let's tell them who we are and why we're here. Hey, everybody. It's 11 o'clock comics episode 408. And I'm Vince B. You are Vince B. And I am David A. Price. Indeed you are. Don't you dare call me the Phantom, even though I'm Billy Zane. <laughs> I don't hate that movie. I should hate it, but I don't completely hate it. Best best pulp rendition ever. <laughs> no way. <laughs> Dude. Dynamite should be so lucky. No, Ron Eli. Doc Savage. Come on. And even that's not I've that I've never good. seen that. Uh, uh, Sam Jones is the spirit. Man of Bronze. I, I like that, but... The spirit's not a pulp character. What about the uh, Zorro remake with uh, Antonio Banderas? Nah, man, the one with George Hamilton, Gay Blade. You know, Gay Blade's great. Gay Blade is it's fantastic. I love. That. Yes, it is. Most of my yes, speed. it is. But no, see, nobody. You, you're you're right about Shadow and I mean Spirit and and Pulp. But I was uh, I was also going to throw Alec Baldwin out there for the Shadow love. Please throw him out. There. Oh, I don't think yeah. I've ever seen that. Believe it or not, I haven't seen it in its entirety. Yeah. There hasn't really been a great pulp movie. Hmm. And I'm sure I'll be what about? I didn't see the uh, Seth Rogen Green Hornet. Was that any good? Oh, yep. hell no. 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 And that, again, Green Hornet's not a pulp character. Oh, it's not? No, no, not not like the, not like Doc Savage and Shadow and Phantom. Definitely not. Because he's, he's spider. But where would the Green Hornet fit in then? I'm confused. Green Hornet's more... He's so great. Well, I mean, he showed up in Batman, but I mean, he's more. I. I... Yeah, I don't. I don't know. We. I got to do my research. I don't know the the exact um, year Green Hornet came out, but I don't classify him as a pulp character. Okay. Maybe that's on me. I don't either. So somewhere, somewhere right now in Chicago, I think Suntress is listening to this, yelling at us. Oh well. <laughs> after after he tweets his great one, is, when, when then he'll yell at us. God, God love him. No doubt. See him soon. No, you're not Billy Zane. You're not bald. You're not on the Titanic. I am bald, actually. No, you're not. I am you're just... absolutely bald, dude. <laughs> I mean, listen. I... Line, when he closes his eyes, he sees you with a full fro. It's beautiful. I love that you do that, but I'm pretty much shaved. Telly Savalas bald at this point. For real? Yeah, my hair is buzzed almost. It's like just a, it's like a just peach fuzz on the top. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Don't fight it, man. Embrace it. Well, that's what I yeah. do. Well, I don't go the complete like razor shave like you do, but I'm, I'm the next step of that above that though. Yeah, it's a lot of work. I'm like a four hour stubble of unshaven head. Well, see, that's the thing. When you just do the stubble, it it gets thick like your beard would get thick. Yeah, I gotta so I you, gotta shave it every couple of days. That's nuts. See, I, but ah. it's not though because I got a nice shaver for Christmas that just right off. Do it myself. She, I do it myself too. Yeah. She, she help you at all? Uh, yeah, she does. Colin usually helps me, and then she comes in to make sure, because there's usually a few random lines that he misses in the back that she has to fix, so it doesn't look like I got uh, run over by yeah. a, a, a tire. So you weren't going down the road I was going down, but that's mm-hmm. okay. Oh, that's freshly shorn at all times down there. Nice. Yeah, I keep it. I keep it, it, it. She gets, she gets on a little too I like it. 
I like it. I you know, I like do as I like do as I do as I do, not as I say. You know what I mean? <laughs> Back with a vengeance. No, you're not Billy Zane. <laughs> this is what you all missed last week. <laughs> Jason, yeah, really, we all did. Jason wooed everybody in the house, and you don't have to be freshly shorn to get great deals on your favorite comic books and collectibles. All you have to do is fire up your internet browsing device to dcbservice.com. That's dcbservice.com where you and everybody you know can get the absolute lowest prices on your funny books and your favorite collectibles. Such as, now pay attention, this is the last chance you're going to have at these. Because mm-hmm. they will cycle over next week as a preview week. Oh, it's back at the place my order, speaking of that. Yeah, same here. Be- best do that. Um, from Image... Jason Aaron, R.M. Guerra, The Goddamned yes, Trade Paperback Volume 1. It's called The Flood, appropriately enough. Uh, cover price is $9.99. Thank you, Image, because this collects issues 1 to 5 of The Goddamned. And uh, you can get it for half that, $4.99. Do the math. Five bucks, five issues, dollar a piece. Craziness. That's crazy. Um I can't wait for this book. I don't care what Jason says. From Dynamite, it's the Gold Key Alliance, written by Phil Hester, art by Brent Peebles. We have um, Magnus Robot Fighter, Solar, well, Woman of the Atom, uh, Mighty Samson, and more. Cover price, three ninety nine. What are they taking it home for, Jason? One ninety nine. Excellent. And last, but not intended to be. It is the wrath of the inter, the wrath of the eternal warrior, volume one. Yes. Robert Venditti wrote it. Raul Allen and Patricia Martin brought it to visual life and you can get this collection, not for $9.99 cover price, but for half that, $4.99 and it collects the first four issues. You should get on this because it is a absolutely astounding book. Sweet. Yeah. DCBService.com does not mind late orders or order editions as I uh, am so thankful for each and every month. And you get your books shipped nice and secure and right to your door. And you don't have to do a damn thing. It could not be any easier. Mm-hmm. DCBService.com. Respect. Slim good I think body. I'm, yes, slim good body. That's what I was thinking when he says he's translucent. Yes, slim good body. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's got the, the onesie on yep. with the yep. oh creepiness. I might. That's how I'm gonna dress it. C two e two. I hope so. <laughs> I, I made him snort. I love it. Made the oh, man yes. snort. Yes. Let's do the roll call because I'm thinking we have a lot to talk about. Oh, this week. so much to make up. I for, feel like I have two weeks worth of stuff, stuff to talk about. You should feel that way. Uh, that was cute. It was cute though. What are you drinking, Vince? Um, well, as of, with these two bottles, the perpetual will no longer be oh. true. Yes. The eventual, the, the, the eventual becomes. I'm going to have to get another. It'll become the existential after that you're done. That's very good. Very good stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what are you drinking, Jace? Laughing. My man, I am drinking. Oh, I got the bottle right here. Cross Springs 2013 Lake County Cabernet Sauvignon. Ooh. It's nice and dry, just like I like it. Just like my women. Just like your women. No. (laughs) Oh, I mean, no, just the opposite of how I like it. (laughs) 
Oh, wait, I forgot. We're being misogynist. Yes. Yeah. I was just going to say that. We're going to hear about that, you know. Man, oh, man. I'd love to talk about that at length one of these days. Not right now, because that's kind of boring. This was quite the week of of constructive criticism for us. We've got a whole new show format coming thanks to all of our feedback. I will address address one of those criticisms. Um, Allotted time per segment ain't going to happen. Oh yeah, that. if that's a you know a game changer, or a, a rule, uh, whatever you call it, well, we a rule breaker, or, um, it, it was it, it was really nice knowing. Well, listen, we'll, we'll, I don't want to forget what Dap is drinking, but let's just say this up front. You know, I guess we talk about this every now and then when something like this comes up. Yeah, but but all I'll say is one of my favorite things about doing this, aside from getting to talk to my my, my best buddies every week, is that we, we don't make. No, but we don't, you know, this isn't a professional thing. We don't make a living doing, you know, like we don't even make a supplemental income doing this. No, but that's an important distinction because, you know, DAP used to joke, you know, if you, uh, if you hear something you don't like, we'll give you a refund, but there is some validity to that. Like I, I think we all accepted long ago that our particular show format amidst many dozens, if not hundreds of other comics podcasts is not going to appeal to every comics listener. And I think the sooner a show ourselves or anyone else comes to the decision that it doesn't like you're not trying to appeal to everyone and you just got to do you. And if there's an audience for you, great. If there's an audience that that that's for something else, great. And so just let's repeat. And again, this I hope this doesn't come off dickish. But if anyone is kind enough to listen to our show, we love you for it. And we love all feedback. But honestly, if it if something we do, whether it be that we talk too much about a given book or that we make off-color jokes sometimes, or that we don't talk about enough of whatever, pick your favorite per- type of comic, like, it's totally reasonable and logical for you to stop listening. Like, when we, sure. and we don't begrudge you that at all. I'm sure there are thousands of people that have listened to our show that we probably still think listen, that don't listen mm-hmm. anymore, and thousands more have come, and we love them all. And, like, I've, I've listened to so many different podcasts over the years that I no longer listen to, and I... That's my choice, and again, I, I'm sure the people that make those shows are not losing sleep over it. And you know, that's the beauty of this. It's a, it's an opt-in. You're opting in, and we value the fact that you're willing to give us a few hours of your week, and we love you for it. But if we're upsetting you in any way, or boring you, or you think the format needs changing, like the great thing is, there are literally hundreds of other options that do it differently than us that talk about comics. So wow. go, go have it. That's very true. Dap, he's not even breathing this I love week. It. It's, it, he's it, talking so I, much. It, it just, <sighs> us changing to fit what you want is is like Vince having a good Android phone. It ain't going to happen. <laughs> so just accept it. Move on. Work with what uh, you have. I'm smiling. And just <laughs> You're making me smile. Oh, you, it, <laughs> it's just, you know, there are days when I'm like, damn, I should have listened to Dap. <laughs> Um, but I, 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 I will say, I will say, if we wanted to, uh, Ron, Josh, and Connor would be shaking in their boots. If we, if that was our goal, to eclipse, you know, to go after the big dog and do it like, you know, in, in a, in a, a listener, um, format where we can rule the world, we could. But we're not, we don't want right, it. Yeah, no. And it might be like, yeah, you don't want it. No, seriously, there's no ulterior motive in this other than just having a good time. Agreed. Yeah. That's right. But, 
but we could eat them alive if we wanted to. <laughs> yeah, I'll, uh, Love you guys. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll pack the, uh, the Zoom recorder for C2E2 and, and maybe we'll, 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 we'll let Vince go off on, on what he wants to go off. And we all will. But you know, your phone records things too. It my does, Android does very I, well. Well, that I, I love it when my phone does something other than be a phone better than anything else. Yes. The, it's not that does good. It, phone. Does it, does <laughs> it does phone record. Stop. Does your phone taste as good as whatever it is that you're drinking? <laughs> yeah. Um, my phone, no, because my phone's old. It's a 5S. So I'm like, um, I get oh. mocked because my, yeah, my, my, it's like, oh, you can actually read that screen still. So, uh, I know my boo's been having not the best couple of weeks and, and he, we, we, we didn't get to hear from Jason. We didn't get it in your travels or anything last week. Um, and, and I just, I'm feeling, I just, I'm, I'm in that kind of mood. So I cracked open a bottle of besieged. I see. I like it. I like Put the man of war on in the background. Have some besieged. Nice. <laughs> rape, rape and pillage. Rape and pillage, baby. So, yeah. Completely out of left field question, but since I know you were a big fan of the, of the movie, Vince, I will ask you, what do you think about this strange, it is really not, but it, we're going to say it is a spinoff of Cloverfield, this new Clover, 10 Cloverfield Lane movie? I'm confused. It's weird, right? Yeah, I saw the trailer. Do I need to see the first? Do I need to see Cloverfield? Is this something I should, I should oh, watch? You, you've never seen it? I haven't it? watched it yet. No. Oh. There are, there are parts of Cloverfield that are flat out excellent. Yeah, I agree. But the stretch getting to each part can be, um, Exhausting. The the viral marketing that that JJ and his team did like leading up to Cloverfield was genius. Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's kind of like Blair Witch. Yeah, where the the supplementary supplement supplementary <laughs> material supplemental material was much richer than yeah. the actual finished finished but project. The, the, yeah, so this movie is um I was re- it's really fascinating. I was reading about it. So by all accounts, this was in no way, shape, or form in any way tied to Cloverfield. And then some point deep along the way, because it's produced by Abrams and his crew, Bad Robot, they said either because they thought it a good, you know, for whatever reason, they decided to do some reshoots and additions to tie it into Cloverfield, the movie. See, now that does not make me, uh, that doesn't endear me to the movie at all. No, because then it's an, it's an afterthought. Right. So, I mean, I want to see the big old giant monster again. Well, and I, this is, this is not spoiling anything because again, I just read an article where people were purely speculating, but they were saying like, you know, does the, do they put the big giant Cloverfield monster into the film in some way? Like, you know, to tie into the fact of why she's really trapped in this bunker with these dudes, I, you know, that's, but that's pure speculation. I just do find it interesting though, because if, if the intent was to simply save a mediocre movie by making it something else, it worked in the sense that I think the original script was called the seller, I think. Mm-hmm. And if that were true, I may have never even noticed it in the preview. But the Seriously. fact that I saw it said 10 Cloverfield Lane and and that in the same font and everything, I thought, oh, I'm like, wait a minute. I'm like, they're going back to the Cloverfield? And that got me excited. So if that was their intent to make to rescue the movie, it may have worked, right? And just in terms of creating buzz. Yeah. There may have been more creature time in Cloverfield than in that Last Godzilla movie. I haven't seen it still. The new um, yeah. Was was it, was the girl was the woman in the first Cloverfield? 
No, these is like I said, this was definitely a movie that had nothing to do with Cloverfield by the sounds okay. of it that they made. And and then somewhere along the way they came up with the idea of, well, it wouldn't take much to tie this in loosely and maybe that'll make it for a, a better marketing effort. So I think there's eight minutes of Godzilla total screen time yeah, in that right. in, in the legend legendary movie. Well did you did um, you there, know that there are roughly eleven minutes of time in a professional football game of actual play? Wow. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. I watched the Super Bowl. But you think about the fact that the Super Bowl lasted three hours of TV yeah. time? Yeah. And always runs in overtime. Not that it ever starts on time when the game's over. Oh, you mean like like actual time, like overtime, not like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So there you go. Jason, thanks for bringing that up. I, I, don't, I don't know. know. I thought... Well, I, I just, just came to my mind just last second there. I, I don't think I'm going to see it in the theaters. Yeah. I'll, I'll wait till it, till it cycles through. Mm-hmm. All right. We have something to talk about. I have been pestering you guys <laughs> for weeks oh boy. to talk about this book. And you know, you both put it off for whatever reason, but I'm, I'm, I'm throwing down the gauntlet and we have to talk about Harrow County this Look week. Look at you. All grown's up. Yeah. Read eight issues. Ooh. I believe there are nine. The ninth, yeah, the ninth came out a week or two ago. Yes. Well, we are only going to cover the first eight. Yes. Written by the amazing Colin Bunn, who we were um, fortunate enough to um, usher into his um, fast track to stardom. Because when we first met him, I believe he was just getting mainstream work. Is that correct? When we first met him, he had done The Damned. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, With Brian Hurt and then... uh, you heard sixth gun. Yes, uh, but there there was there was the uh, possibility of mainstream work, and he was oh very absolutely, slow. and and because of that we got we got Sinestro. Recently we've got Lobo. We got uh, we 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 have the a ton of Deadpool stories by the man. Yep. Um, good character to have written. Oh yeah, especially recently you'll, you'll you'll be getting royalties. Uh, but he's as and as fun as as the. And, and Sinestro is a good fit for his style because oh, yeah. my man loves the the the, the macabre, the, the horror aspects of of storytelling, and and he, even though he works with people who can bring his stories to vivid life, uh, he, he still tells enough of a story where even just the words on the page or what you don't see can still fuck with you. I brother, brother, I'm telling you, the text pieces in Harrow County are as good as the stories they follow. Yeah, yeah. they're excellent. Love the text pieces, but um, the art and the lettering, oddly enough, is by Mr. Tyler Crook, mm-hmm. a righteous dude then, who we met this past and then there, Yeah, yes. And then there are uh, various and sundry guest artists for the Tales of Harrow County chapters, which usually are a page. And then there are, there's pinup art in, in a lot of these issues. So you have a, an amazing assemblage of creators. Uh, the thing that won me over immediately was the usage of, uh, Harrow County in Will Eisner, um, spirit-like instances where there's double page spread in every issue. Somewhere in that spread, whether in the clouds or in the tree branches, or on gravestones, 
are the words Harrow County, much like Will Eisner did with the spirit, ushering you into the story. There's just an inventive, uh, a, a playful almost um, usage of Harrow County. And it's awesome. And the spreads make the book for me. Thank you. What was that? <laughs> the, it's the gavel. It was the, 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 the gavel. Other door. Aha. Uh-huh. I see. And how about the first issue with the tree? Uh, that the, the famous tree. Well, let's tell them about it. Let's let's give them a little rundown. Good. Set about, the stage. Uh, what this book is actually a well, it's about many things. But uh the place, the title is the place, Harrow County. And it, it it was a location that was host to their very own witch. Uh a woman named Hester Beck. Yes. And Hester would um she had instances of altruism. She would heal the sick and, um, you know, make it rain or make or it rain, cure, cure common maladies and some uncommon maladies. But she also had a darker side. She believed that in order to, to take from one area, there had to be a balance. A she would have to, yes. And cattle would die and strange rituals were performed. Um, baptism-like rituals were performed in witness of the 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 county's children, and she also um, summoned great and terrible things: um, evil, multi-eyed, and horned beings. She, the thing, the one part that I really, really love of this book is she would actually fashion pseudo-human beings from from the muck. The dirt, mm-hmm. the soil, the, golems, the soil yeah. of, yeah, of, of golems, of, of Harrow, and, and they would actually evolve and live and serve her to a point where there's, there's a point in the story or the backstory where her creations turn on her. See, that's where the, the, the book opens, where they, they have, um, Hester, they, they have her lynched. She's being hung from a tree after being stabbed and burned and, and, uh, abused and they, they set her on fire. And then barrier, but her legacy remains because the the tree on which they they committed the the uh, what they saw as a very very necessary act, um, something uh, was born from this tree. It's two, well, many things were born from this tree, and and that's where we are. We meet young um, Emmy. A young girl, like I said, she's young, that was pulled from the tree. The tree gave birth, in a sense, to this young girl, and the prophecy is that she will eventually fill the, the, the role of her progenitor. She'll, she'll be a witch. And that's the one part I was talking about David, uh, before we, we started the show. I think Mr. Bunn revealed a bit too much. Interesting. In that, that sequence where the guy's looking into the tree and he says, wait a minute. Uh, and I think he should have said, there's something else. And they never should have shown what was in the tree, uh, but, but he, he's very specific. And so is Mr. Crook in showing that there was another child in the tree, one that was, um, distorted and deformed in a sense and, and just plain ugly. So Emmy has a sister named Cammie. We, we meet somewhere along the line in the, in the in the series, but I saw it coming. Did you not see it coming? I hmm. when when did that happen? 
Because it doesn't happen in the first few pages of the issue, or the first issue. Not, um, no, it happens. Um, let's let me get this. Uh, I'll go look through them here. I think it happens before issue four. Definitely happens before issue four because the end of issue four is this is the stinger, right? Right. Is the big reveal, which we've roomed. So. Um, oh, duck. Yeah. I don't know. I'm looking for it here, and and I'm I'm not finding it. Finding it. But why don't you guys talk about it, and I'll make sure I, I find it. The art is absolutely. I, I'm I'm a Cullen Bunn fan. Anyway, it's sick. It, but yeah. the, the, the Crook absolutely uh, seals the deal with this story. I'm not I'm not a huge horror buff. I don't. Um, it's you, it's not. Right. I know it's not. It's not. But uh, if this it's almost too pretty to be a horror comic because and everybody it, it, there's just the way everybody looks carries themselves uh, the emmy is she 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 looks just like you know farmer's daughter it, it there's issue two happens in it issue does two. happen okay i'll flip through okay. issue two um i think i i just i am Part of me wants to say, and this is only after the, the 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 first volume of the story. And I, I am a big fan of the Damned. I like the Sixth Gun. Part of me really wants to say that this is, I think, what Cullen will be remembered for. Oh, no question, no question about it. Yeah, I I I believe that. As well. I, I just get a sense that there is there there is this is a labor of love. There is a lot, and I I, I just. Could be so far off. Maybe this is just something, you know, Colin had in his back pocket. He's like, yeah, I got to do a book for Dark Horse. Let me do this. But this is just, there is something about this particular story, this, this title that, uh, that I'm just enamored by. Yeah. A little more meat on the bone. Um, when they pull Emmy out of the tree, she's given to a local couple who raise her. Yes. With, with a, you know, a very discerning eye. Uh, they're looking for clues, looking for signs that she is going to follow in the footsteps of, of the witch. Right. And, you know, the mother passes on not long after. Uh, and the, you know, the father's a farmer, raises Emmy. And, um, what he dreaded, uh, happened in that, um, uh, a calf was born very deformed. Uh, and the father was going to put it down because that's what you do. Uh, there was a rash of deformities and Emmy is, is left with the, the calf while the father does something. He comes back and she's like, well, I, you know, he's okay. I, I fixed it. And that red flag for daddy. So the, the, the townspeople amass and behind the scenes and the father actually has to put down his daughter. He makes an attempt to kill his own daughter. Doesn't want to do it, but he, you know, that's that's the pact. Should we see any signs that this girl's going to go down the dark road, we're going to take her out. We have to right. because we can't we can't have what happened before happen again. Right, can't have that. And and it wasn't just like you know they they killed um uh, Hester because and I love the the fact that she's named Hester uh, because she was you know maybe a little evil. Um, there there are sequences that depict her stealing babies. 
in order to feed the things to which she's indebted or what she's created. So she, she wasn't, uh, yeah, I guess feeding babies to, to dark entities, that, that's evil, right? If you steal a baby. Yeah. And yeah, yeah you're pretty, I think that you're pretty, pretty much qualifies as evil. Yeah, you're, you're pretty, you're pretty evil. You're taking a complete innocent and killing it for your own purposes. Right. Now, before, going back to the second issue, Vince, mm-hmm. the reason why I, I guess by the time I got to the big reveal, I had not necessarily, um, is that a sound effect? Or it should just, be. It really should be. I hope oh, the cat? No, it's, uh, it's just, it's, it's the, uh, the bathroom door Renee's going upstairs and downstairs. Oh, I thought you, cause my cat is meowing like crazy up and down the hall. Oh, I didn't even hear that. Okay. Um, it's like the Disney spooky where, sounds, right? Where, um, where he says he, it looks just like her. That looks like a decayed carcass. That look, that doesn't look like it, it, it's like, yes, they're, I guess, I guess reading that, it, they were twins, but I didn't think that, uh, I, that doesn't, if we had known that that was Cammy, I would not have thought that Cammy had survived, which makes the reveal even more. It's like, oh crap. So looks just like her. She looks dead, but yet she, so how did she get from here looking all dead with, 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 with no eyes to a, uh, a, a well-to-do young lady? So hmm. probably didn't get that story, but yeah, you know what I think what, that she sucked this dude who said looks just like her. <laughs> not not uh, that took his life i'm saying <laughs> the uh no the 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 being in that panel that looks just like her panel that's not cammy that's emmy why yeah would, you do think that that's right why would emmy see it's it's too it's too pat for for cullen to to make the first one out the main character oh, i see I, I believe the the first one out was was cammy and then emmy was the one the ugly duckling <laughs> because if you put the two side by side emmy is not as attractive as Cammy. Well, she doesn't try to be attractive. Right. So there could be that. She's very plain, very mousy, whereas Cammy is well to do, dresses in, in the finest clothes, has a butler. But I, I, knowing Cullen, I bet you that the, uh, the ugly duckling is, is Emmy. It's interesting. And, and that top panel where it says until they found what they're looking for and they show the kind of toothy protrusions in the tree and, and, um, one of the sisters is all curled up. That panel to me screams Mike Plug. Mm. It looks very much like like Plug would do, and that's a one of the highest compliments I can ever give anybody. I, I think Crook is am- there, there's not much, not many Plugisms in this book, but that panel it definitely uh, brings uh, to mind Mike Plug. Yeah, Crook is a beast, man. He. Uh... Big time. You know, another guy in the long line of people that Mignola seemingly found and put onto a, a broader stage, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, his style is, 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 that's the thing I, I appreciate about Mignola with the whole people he gets to do his BPRD and Hellboy stuff is that, um, you know, if you line each of them up from him, this, from Crook to Fergredo and so forth, so on, they all very distinct styles, but the one thing they have in common is that they're all great storytellers. And uh, yeah. Mignola has a real eye for that, and uh, and Crook is a deserving, a, a deserving member of that uh, very distinguished Mignola verse crew, you know. Ben Stenbeck. Sure. Yeah, I, I don't think it's a stretch to recognize the the talent in Duncan Figueredo, but because he was already established. Oh, sure. When Mike, yeah. The other guys, we, how many of these these people have we heard of before? 
going into the manual version. And that, uh, the, I think the first thing I read of Crooks was actually a gift from uh, from from Chris from Neesman one year. He oh, really? uh, he gave me uh, that Petrograd OGN, and uh, oh, that's right. Yeah, 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 through yeah. that, so yeah, yeah. Um, and there's even more to this story that we're not letting on because um, witches have familiars. Yes. And familiars take um, the form of many things. Sometimes a cat, you know, um, an owl. But Emmy's familiar <laughs> is is a, a poor little boy who mm-hmm. somewhere along the line died because he was skinned alive <laughs> or this, whether the skinning became – whether he died as a result of the skinning or he was skinned after the fact, the, the kid has no and skin. lost his skin. And the cool thing about him is while Emmy carries his skin around – his um, fleshy form can communicate with the skin. So it's almost like she has a, a remote, uh, like an eye in the sky during certain instances in this book where the, the skin, the fleshy, meaty uh, part of the, the boy will be in a tree and he'll be seeing something and he'll relate back to the skin to communicate with Emmy in, in the house. Right. Like, distance away it, that's an amazing amazing part of this book i love the skinless boy i think he's great and she keeps it in a drawer yeah. in her bedroom <laughs> or, or in a little satchel that she carries around um and it's it's not pretty but it's drawn that way very very nice drawing in this book absolutely it's it's i don't know why i took so long to read it but i did and it's one of those things like now that i have read it how have i lived all these years without it. It's, well, it's a I think great it's especially book. entertaining that you took so long because you're, of the three of us, by far and away the most horror-centric. You love horror comics. Ah, yes. It's true. But maybe that was why. Maybe you were reticent because you figured, what do these two jamokes know about horror comics? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I would, use, I would use the word jamoke. <laughs> because oh, that, that, is that the, just rolls off your tongue. <laughs> yeah, jamoke. And it, it, it absolutely... You would <laughs> think after eight years that when Jason and I push Vince... To get on the ball, read something so we can discuss it. There's that. That he would actually, oh, you know, right. they, they've got a decent enough track record. Let right. me get on the ball with this. But instead right. it's like, yeah, yeah, I'll get to it. And then he gets to it and it's like, I, you guys, I don't know why I didn't listen to you guys. Mm-hmm. Like My mind's blowing. It's like, dude. Now, yeah. I haven't read much of the, much of the back matter or, or even, I don't know if we asked Colin this when we first talked to him about it, but do, uh, is this, is, is there a finite goal here? I mean, is there is there an arc in here in this place? Do we know, or is it just still go on till it's until it's ready to stop? Well, if he's smart, he's gonna write it forever. But well, I ask, um, because Six Gun went on for a long time, right? You know? No, no. There's as far as I recall, there's there hasn't been any specific um, duration mm-hmm. cited in the text pieces. But you need to read the text pieces because. Um, uh, especially the tree. Uh, he's pulling a lot of these things from personal experiences. Okay. Yeah. Um, the ghosts and the haints and the, the legends of, of the places in which he grew up, uh, especially the tree. He's, and if he, he says, you know what? I, I, I have a thing for trees. Mm-hmm. And he, he cites all of the works he's written, um, that have, uh, that were written around or feature, um, a very, uh, prominent tree. And, and I was like, wow, you're right. Well, he wrote them. He should know. 
like the six gun there there's a, a certain tree in there um this uh, Harrow County centered around a tree with a vagina. Hmm. The tree, well, tree gets stuck. The tree gets stuck, struck by lightning, and uh, it's it's in the shape of a, a vagina. And you know, it, it should be because it gave birth hmm. to to two beings, and they filled it up with concrete to try and stop the 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 evil. Which is the, kind of the, funny, right? That you would think that concrete yeah. would do anything to a demonic possessed magical thing, right? Right, but it would stop the water. The rain, the moisture, the elements from, from decaying the tree further. Mm-hmm. So there's that. But, oh, God, I'm looking at the spreads in this book and they're just amazing. It's beautiful. Thing. Amazing. Um, what's your favorite spread? Well, oh, as far as this comic? That's funny. Uh, it's <laughs> funny because you pointed out that it's funny. I mean, I like the one where, uh, I don't know which issue it is. It's in the first arc where, um, all the skeletons are, like the, that's issue three. The burning skeletons and yeah, yeah, that's three. It's such a stark image. It just comes that right is, to yeah, that's that could be a poster. That could almost sum up the series. And by the way, shout out to Jordan uh, Jordan Boyd who does the colors right on this. Yep. So, or is it is it Jordan Boyd or does Tyler do the color? I thought no, Tyler does. Oh no, my bad. Yeah. Tyler himself. Oh, shout out yeah, to yeah, no. Too, okay. I don't see how you can one could um, pencil ink this without. Doing the color because yeah, the color is wow, that's, impressive. is, that's, that's even more impressive. crucial. The the, wow, the yeah. spread number five is is kind of like the calm before the storm. It's just her under the tree and and in the clouds it spells out Harrow County. You know, I would have to say uh, it's you're right. It, it, that one and issue one are tied for my. Favorite I like story. the one with two where she's running and and saying be still. Um, you would think I would like the one where the the big old ox looking thing is is in the shadows behind her. I mean, I think that's nice, but, and then there's the one with the rain. And number six with the car in yes. the house. That's just, that's a oh, cool look and just setting period. That's, uh, yeah. I mean, it, 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 and it doesn't, it, it, it's, it doesn't evoke anything about, about the series. Um, the eighth one He's is, not- is, is nice where it, it's almost like a mad magazine fold in where she's about to walk into this, uh, ghost and goblins that are waiting in the woods, but, yeah, I like that too. There, they are all, there should be, you have the collections with the, uh, with, you know, like the Dave Johnson covers of, of 100 Bullets or, you know, any sort of collection, there should be a collection of just, of Tyler's spreads from Harrow County. Right. For real. Yeah. Right. Um, I don't, have these been, I'm sure they've been collected, but I'm guessing that they were paperback, right? I think they were paperback. Yeah, well, Mike Richardson needs to get on the ball now that w- wait till twelve issues are done and put this sucker out in a. In a I'd be, oh, I'd yeah, be, well, I have the, tra- I have that's what I'm, I have the trades there. Yeah, okay, straight up trades. Um, I, I'd be hes- because of the spreads alone, I'd be hesitant to see a. Uh, well, I don't own any of the Hellboy Library edition, so I don't know if there's gutter loss and if. There aren't a lot of double page spreads in, in a Hellboy book anyway, but I, right. I don't know if I'd want to see some, it would look gorgeous blown up, but I, I'd hate to see these spreads missing anything. So, I mean, at least with the trade, you can kind of break the spine a bit and, and, and take it all in, especially yes. if it's on nice paper. I know, I know, but I want to see the art, man. The hell with the yeah. packaging. 
Well, I guess in the best, like with mind management, the best way to buy this series is, is in single issues. Then, if you want to get the full effect mm-hmm. of these spreads, Jason, does the uh, does the trade have the the back matter, the text pieces? Uh, no, does not. Nice. Sad. Well, yes, yeah, sad, sad, but but again, a, a reason to make sure it gets to the trade is that you know you buy the single issue so you can get those text pieces, get every little bit, and uh, and keep it going. So. So do you think that Cammy's familiar is the butler? I kind of do. I do. Well, what's working on him? Is he some kind of, is he a golem or, or maybe a, he's, he's, could he be a, he's fast. He is fast. When he, when he chooses to move. Um, and he is resilient because the big ox looking creature literally punched him into the ground yeah. and he didn't die. So I don't know. I, I don't know what he is, but he's he's formidable. Um yeah, you you guys if you haven't read this, you you really need to because it's amazing and we've only scratched the surface. There's a lot going on in, in these eight issues that we aren't gonna reveal to you because doing so would spoil your enjoyment of this thing. And, it, and it's it's an amazing book. Absolutely. There's a there's an homage to Hal Foster on the cover of issue eight. That alone, right? Read this thing and, and, you know, see if you can scare up the single issues because as Jason pointed out, the text pieces are not in the collected edition and they are not to be missed. There are, um, there are some, some horror books that, uh, work best, work better without color, just dark black and white or just gray tones. This, the, the color enhances the, the horror factor, especially when you're, when, when Cammy is eating the um, the chicken, having a little picnic, and and oh. just and whatever the hell is, and and just anything that's coming out of the ground, or even like like the spread that Jason mentioned with the um with the flaming skeletons, it's like it, that that just pops the, the 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 yellow and the red off of off of the the dark background of the woods. It's the, the color. Um, there is writing the art. The there is really nothing about this series that uh that that i can complain about except that it it doesn't come out fast enough it's a very carefully chosen palette oh absolutely there there are um many many instances to fuck up grass (laughs) and 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 the the green that he has the greens that he uses for um his uh grass and assorted uh you know growing things very tastefully done it's not screaming green or or you know some guys they go too far into the into the chrome and they push it too much and it's this yellow green that just looks fake this all looks so natural and david said the woods they're impeccably drawn and painted it's just the colors are spot on it's a very rich palette that he's got going on here as i uh as as i flip through it again uh and i'm looking at the faces i i think i am uh I've subscribed to your newsletter, Vince, and that uh, that Cammy was the first one taken out of the tree. Yep, I believe so. I'm thinking I'm loving Priscilla a lot too. I love Priscilla. <laughs> the very nice character design there, but we won't tell you who Priscilla is. Find out for yourself. Do it. Yeah, I give it a ten. Well, uh, that's that's yeah, that's strong. That is, yeah. I just wish you guys got on it when I told <laughs> you. Seriously, you know, I'm sorry, we, man. We, 
we would circumvent all this BS, right? I read it so long ago, I almost forget it now. <laughs> oh, my bad. Watch out. Why did you have a badass over here? That's right. Walking with some badasses around here. I read this shit last year. That's right. Literally. literally. No, Truth. that's great. That's great. It's a winner. It's a winner. Um, unlike Coral, who, who didn't fare so well. I see what you did there, Coral. Can we talk about Walking Dead? Do you want to talk about spoilers? Yes, spoiler spoilers. alert for big, the big time spoilers. The, we should, yeah, I mean, this is fresh off the presses. It's three days old, so we're gonna yeah. we're gonna talk about the the mid season sixth 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 season mid season premiere show uh, that aired on uh, on Sunday February fourteenth. Yeah, yes, I I believe there was a teeny tiny bit of an error in judgment. Oh. Okay. You should, they, they shouldn't have gotten rid of somebody? No. Oh. This should have been last pass. This should have been the last episode of the, of the, the, the mid-season before we got to this. Because the one that they left us with was uneventful AF. Well, yes. Yes. If this, if this was the, the mid-season cap, the, the excitement coming into it would have been like a fever pitch. Whereas, well, maybe they did do it the right way because they left us on a down note. And I, and, and I don't know. I just did not like the previous episode very no, much. No, 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 because then, mom, mom, I thought, mom. It, I thought it was kind of, and that didn't really play out. They just let, that nothing came of that. The, he, no, uh, everybody he, was focused on, on Daryl, Sasha, and Abraham. Everybody's mind was on mm-hmm. that and who the hell's Negan and what's going to happen. These guys just got done escaping from all that crap. And now, now they hit this ambushes roadblock and, and that I did not see that coming at all. I, well, let I'm me tell you like, the, the way that uh, they were, the resolution of that conflict <laughs> was not something I expected. No, not at no. all. Not at all. And, and it's, RPGs up in that piece. I just, I, I was so, and I was, my brother and I texted after it was over and, and he, he felt that things were a little too clean. The whole thing with, with Glenn against the fence, against the wall was like a little bit kind of fairy tale-ish, but I, I was thinking that if it went any other way, then that's just right off of everybody having their reactions to Glenn being killed earlier in the season and, and no, they got an out and, and I didn't, I don't think they needed to bring us there again so soon. So I get how my brother's feeling, you know, they kind of just saved the day a little too cleanly, mm-hmm. but I think, I think we needed a win just because it's, I'm, I, I do not, whether it was the prison or terminus, I do not need another three. I, I don't need the beginning of, of a season or a mid season where, where half of it is whether or not the gang is ever going to see each other. How, how are their paths going to cross? I didn't, we know we're going to see Negan, but I didn't need, it would have been more of the same if our, our trio ended up sh- shuttled off to, uh, what that? What? That, was, that, that was me hitting the table. If, if, if they were brought over to the enemy camp, and everybody else is dealing with what they're dealing with in, in Alexandria and whether or not Maggie gets down off the guy. I just, I, I needed some resolution and, and I got it in this episode and I was quite pleased about that. Yeah. Well, you know, there were no, there was uh, a couple deaths that were not surprising at all. We knew 
We we knew that Jesse and family were not going to make it out. I was hoping it, Jesse would. Me too, but then again, and, and of all and all of it, and, and he and I saw red, and it just everything just flashes before Rick's eyes, and yep. that it's like never mind that you know my son's getting yanked away, but but yep. oh shit, my 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 trim's going down, and I just and it was just. Well, he cut it off. He, he did. He, he had, had to. to. He had to. <laughs> he had to cut but, it off. And, and but how about your boy? How about uh, how about Father Gabriel stepping up? I know. Yeah, I thought that was great. I still don't like him. <laughs> I know. I don't like him very much, but at least he actually performed a service to the group yeah. instead of being a liability. Yeah. So yeah, uh, I'm not feeling Carol. I. What do you mean? I just I, just her whole. They added, I, that was, that was really the only, and I'm sure it, again, it served a purpose as far as the story or moving the episode along, but it just, it, with everything else going on, whether you're dealing with the wolf and Denise or with, um, Rosita and, and, and everybody over there in that build, in that home, anytime we, we, we dealt with Carol and Morgan and, and their conversation, and whether I, I, I should kill you, you could kill she me. I should, and it's just, I'm just like, just, just, just move on. I just, she, she should have killed him. We disagree he, because I like, I like Morgan, but which yeah, is fine. I, I know that, but with everything else going on, it just, it, it, it was a massive speed bump. It, it slowed the momentum of, of what, of an episode I was enjoying down greatly. You see, I thought the wolf, Sequence oh, that uh, was slow, slow it, to tell. It did. It, I'm not going to disagree with you there. Yeah, I really could could give two two shits about the the goofy wolf dude. Mm-hmm. Like I, 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 that was the least impactful. And I was still seeing Dave Grohl and all, but yeah, I know. Now, what was interesting <laughs> is the um the way they handled the Carl situation in this versus the comic. Yeah. yeah. Um. Well, I I think the comic was um a bit outlandish in the fact that if someone got that much of their head blown off. I was just going to say, right, the way it's you know, drawn and, and the cliffhanger, yeah, you're assuming there's no way Carl didn't just die. Right, right. But the, they explained it in um, Talking Dead. Greg oh, Nicotero Dead, Greg Nicotero was on and he said the, the way it happened bone. is the bullet glanced across the eye and ricocheted off the orbit. So it destroyed his eye and uh, you know a lot of the, the the stuff there, but it didn't penetrate far enough to to um, get into brain. Mm-hmm. Whereas, whereas in the comic, it looks like yeah, half his face. You, is you can you yeah. can see straight through. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which that that's kind of outlandish and far fetched, but it is a comic, so it's it's okay, I guess. Yeah, but no, I I thought it was. I didn't like to see Jesse go down, but I'm glad her her. Disturbing spawn both got eaten because they were useless. For sure. Yeah, that was a yeah. little, I mean, that was, that was all, not ridiculous, but it's like, alright, well, the first one got at, now, now, now that one. And I was, I, I was, it was, I was, it was so long after he shoots Carl where he's just standing there and I'm like, alright, well, let's make sure he gets eaten because, you know, mom and bro did, but no, it ended up being Michonne. I was like, that's, that's, and then, and again, the little touch, and I don't know if this was like that in the comic, but that, that touching moment after Denise was like, listen, I'm trying to save Rick. I know you want to help Rick. I'm trying to save his son. You need to give me a second. And she finishes up and Michonne kisses Carl on the forehead and then runs out to take care of business. 
I think that was an error in judgment on Michonne's part in stabbing him. Mm-hmm. In stabbing that, the boy? Yeah. I, I think she should have either cut, cut his head, head off, off yeah. or or tried to shear off his arm. Right. But stabbing him gave the body the opportunity to tense. You know, you're right, too, because if you think about it, Michonne, of all of them, is so adept at beheading because of the sword, right? And right. the fact that yep. they're so used to killing zombies, which means you have to either behead them or take out their brains. It would seem an odd instinct for someone that's been doing that for that long to decide to pierce someone's right. chest because she would then know that you're basically leaving him to turn, in which case you got to... Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You're right. I might have to watch that scene. It may, may be... Maybe she cut the head after he fell. Maybe he was still warm enough where zombies were eating him. Oh, yeah, no. But it was... It, visually, it was a more... Um, it was a more right. rewarding but, moment, I think. Stabbing him through the chest and, and, and watching his face as opposed to just lobbing his head off. Yeah. Kid was damaged. You could thank Daddy for that. No doubt. <laughs> what, what did your boy on Talking Dead call him? Porch Dick Jr.? But um, one thing, there wasn't really a um, – uh, we didn't get closure on the Glenn and Maggie thing yet. They, they did – No, yeah, no. No, they did because they um, – when they – when Glenn was against mean? the wall getting attacked and then the truck shows up and Abraham and, and, uh, Sasha takes care of business. He asked Glenn if you could get, can you get the gate for us, buddy? And as the, the truck is driving through, Maggie is being brought down by Enid to the, uh, to the top of the truck, the tanker. Yeah. So they rescued her. They got her off of that. And then, and then no, that's when Daryl, um, but you don't see Glenn and Maggie. Oh, you don't right. see them together. No, no, it was yeah. it was just because well the the, the money shot was getting uh, coraling everybody into the uh, the fire water. <laughs> that was coral. for you. I got you an iPad. <laughs> get a coral. <laughs> Poor oh, coral. Fuck. Didn't take people long to get that meme going as oh, soon as no, you know no. soon after the episode. I saved Arl's no. life. It's Carl. No, he can't see anymore. I was like, oh, God. It's just. <laughs> uh, but I thought it was a fantastic episode. I agree. You know, all things. And it looks so. like it's, judging by the scenes, it's, uh, you know, they're trying to, they're going to regroup. And uh, obviously, um, why can't I think of her name right now? Um, the mayor of the place. The one who died oh, at the end of the last. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, her son seems to um, have some issues to deal with, and and it lo- I don't know if I don't know if uh, Daryl is going to tell everybody about Deegan, and if that's where they're going, if if they're like taking a preemptive, going on a preemptive strike, and and taking care of that early, or if they're just. I don't know if they're going to look for more material to make the wall stronger. I don't. Based on those scenes, I don't know where they're going. Just there are a couple of characters who, um, I guess, are going to just give us more drama because we can't just have people make the best of, of a shitty situation. We have to have a few damaged folks thrown in. Yeah. See, I'm a little, I'm, I'm a little bit scared now. Why? Because, because the the that could have almost television- been a season, the series finale. Yeah, the, the the television show seems to be adhering to um, the comic on the big beats. 
now that we've seen Carl. Uh-huh. Negan's entering the picture. Mm-hmm. What's left, Rick's hand? Well, we, we already no, had that with Daryl. Yeah, we already had that. Well, but we already had yeah. Daryl's brother that happened too. So, but but I'm 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 worried for um, yes, yeah, for a kid. Oh yeah, you oh. are. Which and again, they they already kind of played their hand with that. So is it going to be a boy who cried wolf type thing? Right. I no, agree. they can't do it again. They can't. Do right. It again. They can't do it again. But did it lose any? Did it? Depending on how it happens, does it lose? anything when it does happen that they, they already kind of they fucked with your emotions a few months ago and oh they're going to destroy people i, I see I, I think it's more impactful if they go through with it soon because it'll sure people will have been calm about it not having happened okay whereas if you wait a year or two then it, oh no uh, yeah, you're right i see that yeah yeah the the, the scene by the the, the fence would be the nudge, nudge, wink, wink that makes what could happen even worse. Like uh, this weekend, I was at, we were having at the dinner with my dad and his wife, and uh, I guess the last time we hung out with them, we were talking about when uh, you know Glenn was attacked and magically somehow pulled himself under that that uh, garbage can <laughs> to survive. And um, I was explaining to my stepmother at the time like that he was really dead for sure, and why I thought that. And then, of course, he isn't dead. So, she, you know, I see her this week and she's like, you swore he died. You were wrong. <laughs> and I was like, well, I'm like, listen, it's different than the comic. What can I tell you? You know, like, and I think it's ridiculous that he lived through that scene. I think they filmed the scene poorly for what actually transpired. But but I'm like, but yeah, you know, hey, it's the show the show is its own thing. It's not the comic. So now, see, I disagree about them filming the scene poorly. They filmed the scene perfectly. No, well, to, we disagreed to, to on this the, we talked about to, last time. I, right, I think to, the way they filmed the, the scene would make it literally impossible for him to have survived in the way that they show him surviving in, in a couple episodes later. <laughs> we should have Scotty on. <laughs> Scotty would talk you down. Scotty too hotty. <laughs> Scotty too hotty. <laughs> but, you know, the show is excellent, I do have to say. it, uh, And it, it still is. does baffle me that the top-rated show in the world is a show about a zombie apocalypse. Like, how is that possible? Right? It's really amazing. Mr. Kirkman is truly blessed because I never would have thought that it would be this popular. He's just caking up every year. Yeah. Fat stacks. Yeah. It's amazing, actually. He's got a tattoo of Scrooge McDuck right on his ass cheek now. Don't want to see that. Just telling you. That's what I've heard. Yeah. Dive it instead of the vault. It's dive it Never mind. Yeah. Into the crack, mm. the money crack. You guys saw something that I didn't. Yeah, um, yeah, slacker. And I'm seeing it again tomorrow morning. Oh snap! They're doing my part to make sure we get that sequel. It's that it's good, proof, buddy. Dude, no, I know, I know. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm also seeing a matinee, so it's not like my 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 eight dollars is going to do shit. The uh, the it Vince, it's when. I am. I, this was another reason why I broke out the besiege because my boy got to see a movie with his boy, and it was pretty yes, much sir. pitch perfect. With which there was, I need if if they can do it for Anchorman two, they need <laughs> to come out when 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 this hits home video. I need to see the R rated and the unrated director's cut in the same box. I know right. that they left a lot 
on the cutting room floor, and which is fine. It it told a story, but there were still things that would I've liked. I, I would have liked to have, um, for purely selfish reasons, just sure. gotten a little bit more info on and, and a little bit more detail, got a little bit deeper, and not just in Marina background. But it it's there are uh-huh. things that uh, as this was in 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 my mind the way it plays out for Jason. This is as a perfect movie for him with his character as I felt that Andrew Garfield was as a young Peter Parker Spider-Man. Interesting. Because of all, of all the comic book movies I've seen featuring the characters that I am a fan of, uh, the one that, recent movies, cause I, I, Christopher Reeve is pretty much up there when it comes to Superman, but as far as recent movies, Andrew Garfield for that young high schooler Peter Parker version of Spider-Man, Garfield nailed it. That was, that was the perfect Spider-Man I've seen to date. And there have, you know, none of the actors who have played Batman, they've played Batman. I never got the sense that, oh, this is, this is the living embodiment of, of this character. I never got that feeling from any of them. I, no other comic book movie, whether, Robert Downey Jr., that's pretty much Tony Stark, period. So that's, there's no stretch there. But it's, for me, it's, it's Garfield Spider-Man. And that's, as I was watching Deadpool, that's the way Ryan Reynolds was acting and, and, and portraying that character and everything going on in that movie. That's where the similarities were for me. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, it's a really perfectly cast film because, um, you know, look, that Ryan Reynolds is not, the way he portrays himself both as a person and in many of his roles is not dissimilar to the way that he acts in this film, right? Which is the funny, wisecracking guy, right? Like, like, like Hannibal King in, in Blade Trinity. It was very much that, that same kind yeah, of Yeah, or like Van Wilder, you know. Like right. The kind of, yeah. But, um, but I would, listen, I mean, you always run the risk of when you see some, any, any of these movies that are really close to home that it's going to, you're going to set unreasonable expectations. And I really tried hard to not pay much attention to the hype in the film. Um, and I must've succeeded in that because I went in with almost no expectation in terms of what actually was going to happen other than that Ryan Reynolds was going to be Deadpool and we were going to get some action and break the fourth wall. And, uh, it was as cl- I have all kinds of warm fuzzies about this, but not because I loved it because again, you know, if it's a character you love, and they get it even partially right. Like you can come away with a smile. I mean, for perfect example. I, I I wouldn't say any of the Hugh Jackman Wolverine efforts have been great films. Um, with the most recent one, the Wolverine being the best of the bunch. Right. But none of those, I think, objectively are very good movies. But but I I like the character a lot, and so. In particular, this last one, I, I enjoyed the film. You know, I, I, I watched the Wolverine and thought, oh, that's cool. You know, and I, and I recognized it as being a, not, a, an imperfect film, but, but there was enough there. And seeing my, a character I loved on the screen was enough for me to, to just deal with the stuff that maybe didn't work well. And, and I would have been fine if that's what I got of this movie. But to me, we got so much more from this film. I mean, we got a really well put together, well paced film that was its own thing. And, you know, a lot of talk about the R rating, and I think um, hindsight's twenty twenty. but man, oh man, was that the right decision, right? Absolutely. Because, uh, you know, you have a film, let's put this in perspective, Deadpool did in its first weekend, 
more box office than the Wolverine did in its entire U.S. run. Like, think about that. <laughs> and what's, a, I mean, certainly Wolverine's a much, a much more widely known character to the masses. And so I'm pretty fascinated about this because I, I would say that Deadpool is not a well-known character. I mean, among comics fans, of course. But what's interesting to me is I feel like he's a character that a lot of people as much hate as love. Like, I feel like if you polled a hundred geeks at a con, I feel like 50 of them would say, yeah, I don't, I'm not a fan of Deadpool. And 50 would say, I like him, right? Whereas a lot of characters people may be ambivalent about or don't know, but I feel like as many people actively dislike or cite the fact that they dislike Deadpool than they do like him. And so the fact that a character that's so divisive among fans of comics could have such broad appeal in a film is fascinating to me. Like, I can't quite figure out why the movie worked at that level because I'm, I'm entering this again being a, a, I'm not an objective observer there. I, I, I love the character. So to me, the film was everything I hoped for more, but like, what is it about that character and the, and the, the marketing of that film that got so many average people to go and see it and love it? Oh man, I think, I mean, cause Ryan Reynolds is not as good. He's sure he's a good looking dude and women love him, but he's not an A-list draw or at least hadn't been until this movie. I mean, he doesn't, he's not a guy that open, that can open a movie by being the star of the movie. No, his, his past, I mean, he was in Selfless. His past few movies have not been blockbusters. They haven't been really top five movies. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I think, you know, he was in The Croods. He was a voice actor in that. I mean, there aren't, there haven't been many things where it's like, oh, Ryan Reynolds is in it. I need to see it. Uh, it's, it, it, it is, it's not part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, except for that one cameo, but there is a, it's got the Marvel logo at the beginning of the movie. People right. are aware that this is somehow connected to Marvel, whether or not, however they feel about the X-Men movies, which, and again, Vince, I mean, the, the one-liners, the zingers, the, the connections there are to other Marvel movies is, is worth it alone. I, you, you kind of have to see it twice because there are Easter eggs galore. You'll, you'll, the jokes come fast enough where you're laughing and you may miss one. So oh, for sure. it, again, it, and it's the flashbacks aren't annoying, but as far as what makes this movie, it's, it's, um, it is an R rated superhero movie and that's not, it's rare. It's, it, this isn't the first we've had the three blade movies. We had the crow. We have had R rated comic book related movies. So that's not, I don't think that's a draw, even though it's, it's kind of like, I don't know if you'd liken it to, to, to a train wreck. You can't really look away. It's like, listen, I, I, it's a superhero movie. They're, it's about a comic book guy, but it's R-rated. So let's kind of see the direction they're going in. And I do, I, this is hilarious. We went last Friday, um, Renee and I went to Joanne's Fabrics and Crafts after work so she could pick up a few things to do what she needed to do over the weekend. The woman behind the counter who, who cuts the fabric for, who is there regularly. And, and we were talking, there was a mother and her little, maybe eight or nine year old son at the counter before we got there. And she, uh, the little boy said, Oh, he said something about Deadpool. And the mom's like, yeah, I know we're, we're, we're not going to the movies. And, and the woman said, no, do not take him 
to see this movie. She says, me and my friends went last night, so they went on the preview night. Mm-hmm. She says, it is a great movie. It's funny as hell. And she's like, Renee is telling her to like, you know, Ixnay on going too deep into it because he'll walk away with the spoilers. But she, she was telling this mother, whatever you do, do not, it, it's not, it is not for him. You know, he still, he has his ultimate Spider-Man cartoon. He can watch whatever he wants when it comes to Deadpool. She says, but please, I, I you know, as, it's, he's your son. You do what you want to do as a parent, but, but I am asking you not to take him to this movie. And, and she's absolutely right. But these are two, two people as not comic book fans, but I, I don't know if, if the Joanne's employee, how, how deep she is into it. But you know, this is, she and some of her girlfriends went to the movies the night before. So I, I'm kind of too, into too close to see, but I don't know how popular Deadpool is outside of comic book fandom. Um, I know that the minion wanted to see it. He saw it Monday night and he saw it again with me last night. So, I mean, he, he wanted to see it. He's, mm-hmm. he's a fan of Deadpool just based on, on gifts and memes and, and what he knows about him. Sure. As far as what other people see online. But I, I don't know how insanely popular Deadpool is outside of comic books. Well, clearly a lot more popular now than ever. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, this is a legitimate massive hit. I mean, this is, this is now a franchise. I mean, we already were going to get a second one with cable in it, but we're, I mean, we're, I can't see how we're, as long as they can get Ryan Reynolds to keep him in the tow, we're going to get three or four, I would think at this point, just I think in, so. based on the, the numbers that we're talking with this first one. Um, so a few points, um, and you have a good segue. So, uh, as you guys know, but maybe for our listeners, I have a, uh, just a few days shy of being 13 year old son is my oldest. And I took he and three of his best friends, all 13 year olds to see Deadpool. And there's been a lot of consternation on the interwebs about this fact that, uh, because it's a superhero movie and it's Marvel that, uh, a lot of people are seemingly taking younger kids to see the film. And I have a few thoughts on that. First of all, like it's an R rated film. So, there should be all sorts of gating things that go on here, which is that number one, I never take my kids to see any film before I read the parental reviews on IMDb and other places, right? Like just to see why a film has the rating. Now I'm not suggesting that everyone needs to do that, but it's a relatively easy thing that should be sort of like rote. So you know exactly what you're getting into. Um, secondarily, it is an R rated film, right? So like, I don't know if I worked in a movie theater and I never have. So Correct me if I'm wrong. Those of you that maybe did at one point, if I'm a ticket taker and I see a man or a woman in line with three 10 year old kids or eight year old kids and they say four for Deadpool, please, I would think you almost have a duty to say, hey, um, I just I don't know if you, you know, do you realize that this movie is is very explicit? I, I, as long as you realize that, like, cool, but I, maybe you weren't. Because I would imagine a lot of the parents would have said, oh, really? I, I didn't, you mean, like, in what way? You know what I'm saying? Like, right. so I, I guess, like, and I guess you could argue, look, these people are young kids that movie, work these movie theaters making, you know, minimum wage or a little bit more, and they probably don't give a shit about worrying who's seeing what movie and whatever, but I, and I get that, but, but, uh, but, but long story short, like, I, watching the film, the film was far, racier than I thought it would be, even though I knew it was not rated. I assumed that the movie would have a ton of profanity and would be unbelievably violent. 
because that's pretty much the character, right? He's a, he's a mercenary assassin who breaks the fourth wall and is sort of insane. And we knew from the previews that there was profanity. And that's why I thought it got an R rating. I admittedly did not expect to see full frontal nudity, very graphic simulated sex, inclusive of which was uh, woman-on-man anal sex. Like, and I'm just putting it out there. Like, so there was a moment where I'm in the theater with four 13-year-old kids, and that scene is happening, and I'm thinking, oh, oh boy, right? Now, the fact that they all laughed hysterically tells me that they all know a lot more than we assume they know already. But, you know, that to me was a judgment call. Like, like these are four very, very mature for their age, you know, good kids, well, you know, well-behaved kids, responsible kids. Like, so I ultimately ended up being fine. And all the parents were totally cool with it. Like, I felt compelled to tell the parents afterwards, like, hey, you know, I mean, I know y'all knew this was R-rated and you were cool with it, but there was like a lot more sex in it than I expected. And I just want y'all to know that's and, you know, just full disclosure. And they were totally all fine with it. But I guess my point is, is like, I'm damn sure glad, like there was many days leading up to it that I was thinking about taking my middle son. Cause he, he read Deadpool mm-hmm. comics and I'm so glad I didn't. And, and so like everyone needs to do, every parent needs to make their own decision. But I do think that there is a little bit of an issue with this film where I could easily see why people would have presumed the film got a rating for a reason that it, like the sex was the unexpected thing because look, I mean, in comics, Deadpool's not having sex a lot in the comics. I mean, he's not like he's had relationships, but there's not. It's not like a Deadpool comics R rated and you're reading and the dude's banging it out. Like that doesn't happen, you know. So that was an unexpected part of the of the reason the film was so was so racy. Um, now look, that said, when I was twelve or thirteen, I you know. I was watching movies like Porky's and, you know, like we were sneaking in and right, yeah, I'm, right, I'm, we were watching Hot Porky's, Dog the movie and you I mean, I get that. So Animal I don't house and shit yeah. and, and, and vacation, but that's either those are kind of wink, wink, nudge, nudge jokes or yeah, you're going to see a girl run out of, of, of the locker room with her tits flailing about, but it's not, you're not going to, it's kind of one or the other. You're either going to get really, Graphic violence, like Death Wish, or you're going to get a lot of tits and ass, like Porky's. It very mm-hmm. rarely do the two come together. Right, right. Yes. Yeah, so, so it's definitely a very explicit film, and uh, and I would say that for any parents that maybe were unaware of that and you haven't seen it yet or think about it, I would say your kids need you need to be really sure that your kids are fully aware of of sex and that you're comfortable with the fact that they're fully aware of sex before you take them to see this. Because if they didn't know about sex before this movie, they're damn sure going to have some questions. Not that they're after. having sex, but that they are aware that it exists. No, it? no, I'm saying they've gone right. through sex ed, or you've talked right. to them about sex, right. and they understand sex, and you know, like, um, but uh, but yeah, but like, but getting back to the film itself, and like what I what I loved about it, I mean, I I as you all know, I I was sort of almost as excited at the prospect of seeing Domino as I was. Oh, Deadpool. And, and we don't get that. She's not in the movie. So spoilers, but she's not in the movie. Um, and if you had told me that she wasn't in the movie before I saw it, I would have thought I would be disappointed, but I wasn't at all. It was a great film. And I, I, I I'm hoping upon hope that we, she's in the, in the next one in case cable is going to be in it. So it makes sense. But, um, but Morena Baccarin is absolutely a vision. She is so you know, gorgeous. What, it's ridiculous. While I'm, while I'm looking at her in this movie, I don't really see it when I'm watching Gotham or, or Firefly really, but it's when I'm looking at her and, and, and she, especially with the longer hair and, and, and we get the side profile, I swear to you, I'm, I'm watching this movie 
and I'm thinking, and I don't know why, that she is, I don't know why I'm thinking this while I'm watching this movie, she is a, a Quapel drawing come to life. I don't know what the hell it is. If you, when you see it again, Vince, when you see it, I just, I'm looking at her face and I'm like, that looks just like something Quapel would draw. And she is breathtaking in this. I, I was kind of cool is, with the short hair, but the longer beautiful. hair is, oh my God. It's, it's incredible. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. She's, she's really breathtaking. She is. Um, and I have to say, I think, um, the, the X-Men stuff was awesome. Oh, like yeah. absolutely awesome. I think Colossus is fantastic. Um, I was a little unsure of how Negasonic was going to be because you know that was kind of a little throwaway character type of thing in Marvel, and they kind of created for this movie, but it worked. I thought, you know, I mean, she's a bit of a um, like a type or a foil for you know, like the like X Men always have that obligatory young female sidekick character. And she's just that, but, but their powers were cool. The way they depicted the powers were cool. Um, I thought she had good chemistry with Colossus as sort of the big brother yeah. and the Deadpool being the annoying brother. You know, I thought it was great. Like I really, I thought it was great. I loved how they actually, you know, Reynolds jokes that, uh, why aren't there more X-Men? It's like, cause we don't, we don't have a budget to move for more, more than two extra characters. It's a big it's like, house. Yeah. You know, you. it's like, it's just great. I mean, I, I, I just, uh, I'm with you, David. I thought the jokes were funny. They were they were just like the comic at its best. And you know, the one thing I'm kind of not bummed, but I feel like it needs to be said more. This movie could not exist without Joe Kelly. Right. And look, you know, Rob is my boy. I, I love that I've become friendly with Rob over the years, thanks in part to this show. And I, I absolutely adore that his character is now the engine of this massive media hit, and that's like so cool. But like the Deadpool that we saw in that film is Joe Kelly's like that's Deadpool was not like that until Joe Kelly went on his long run with the character and even things like blind Alice being in the movie and like so many parts of that film were directly from the cerebellum of Joe Kelly. And I think he deserves more credit than he's getting because this movie was Joe Kelly's Deadpool in my opinion in many, many ways. Like, again, it's great that Fabian's getting props and he created the character along with Rob. Like, that's totally awesome. But the character that they created in New Mutants is not the character that we got this film of. Right. You know, this was Joe Kelly's Deadpool that we saw in this film. And so to all of you out there listening that maybe saw the movie but never really dipped your toes in Deadpool comics and you want to know where to read, then go get the Joe Kelly Deadpool omnibus, with uh, which is out a year or two ago and is still in print. That's there you go. That you got hundreds of pages of comics that are just like this only without the sex, you know? So I'll forget it. Then. Now what's interesting is the character that Marina Baccarin plays in the movie in the, uh, in the comic is, is copycat shapeshifter. And at one point in the comic copycat acts pretends to be Domino, which is so one could actually argue that Domino wasn't in the Deadpool comic for a long time until much later when Dom, the real Domino came in, but it's copycat acting like Domino. But, but in this, I mean, there was no indication that she has any kind of power. So I'm assuming they just eschewed that part of the story, you know? Um, now the one criticism I've heard of the film that I can't completely dispel, dispel, and I'm curious what you think, David, is actually a quite a common criticism of superhero films, which is to say that the villains were so much generic. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, uh, 
in in that case, then then this was basically an origin movie because right. it was right. just to set set the stage for who this character is, what he can do. Um, we know how he got to be the way he is. Um, I am, I we were talking a couple weeks ago about how you know the end of a usually the end of a comic book movie somehow the bad guy doesn't stick around. You know whether it's Jack Nicholson's Joker or Obadiah Stane's Iron Monger, it's the, the the bad guy usually dies at the end of a superhero movie, mm-hmm. and and so that's just so they can bring in a different one for the sequel. But this one had to go, and it was it for the purpose of the story for the, and and it, what I loved, and and I can't go too far into it since Vince hasn't seen it yet. But the the, the exchange they have at the end, um. If Deadpool did not react the way he did, I would have felt that that was a misstep because everything is the way the way conversations are happening, the way people are actually interacting. It's right. there. There was thought put into these exchanges to to everything. Nothing is really forgotten. If if mm-hmm. in any other movie, if you watch where you know whether Blofeld is is giving away what his master plan is to bond her. But whenever you're watching a movie and, and you have the urge to scream at the screen and say, why would you do that? Why did you do that? Why didn't you act on that? You, before you could even ask those questions in Deadpool, they're already answered. You have there. Everything has been thought through. And, and I seriously appreciated that this, there was, even though I am, (laughs) I am far from the world's, biggest Deadpool fan, there was enough in this movie where I I was absolutely entertained. I, I first of all I am a Ryan Reynolds fan. I will watch I have not seen surprisingly Van Wilder, but I will pretty much watch any movie he's done. He's been in he's he he's a draw for me. I'll 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 check him out. So I was happy that he was going to um take on the character again. I wanted to see I, I've seen every X-Men movie, so I've seen the mutant movies. I, I don't see why I wouldn't have seen this one. I, I wanted to see it because he is one of your favorite characters, Jason. So at least this way we'd have something to discuss. There's just, oh. well, no, I, we, you know, I, I, nobody likes until Vince sees the movie. Nobody really likes, you know, to be the guy. Yeah. I'll, I'll just sit over here and nod my head while you guys talk <laughs> about it. So. I, I, there were a lot of reasons why I wanted to see the movie, but I, I am quite happy that I did at, at, and the fact that it, it is an R-rated movie, we're going to get more of it. And it's, people can complain and be like, why didn't they just, you know, why didn't they tone it down? Why didn't they make a PG-13 movie? It would not have been the same movie. It would have no, been a no. weaker movie. It would not have been able to, cause they've, I, for years, and I still say it, the transporter would have been a great, R-rated movie, not because they, they, they could have gone over the top, but there were scenes there, the, the, his reactions where, where he's, where he has to do things. And, and there's just the PG 13 is great. So you get asses and seats in the theaters and this way more people get to see it because you can open it up to a bigger audience, but that doesn't, it doesn't necessarily make for a good story that, that that's, that's catering to the wrong that that's not why you make something PG-13. I don't feel 
that's a business point of view. That's not a story point of view. So if, if you want a PG-13 movie because more people get to see it because they can take their kids, the whole family can go, then make a story, tell a story that fits within a PG-13 world. There are right. movies that not every story needs to be told or catered to, to a certain audience. So this was, there was just a lot to, to enjoy with this and, and, uh, and, you know, I am very, it doesn't mean I need to see an R-rated Avengers movie or Spider-Man movie, but it just doesn't mean that, uh, you know, and there is plenty of PG-13 Deadpool, whether it's in the comic books or more G or PG with the Spider-Man cartoon. There's, there is now literally a Deadpool for everybody, for every flavor, for every walk of life. If you want to see, you know, I, I, it, it, it's like you could watch Richard Pryor live on the Sunstress Strip, or you could watch him in the toy. It's like there's, it's the same dude. It's just packaged for something different. So I see no reason why comic book movies can't be the same way. And Deadpool is a character that is, is kind of perfect for that. It's not going to, whether it's the language, the violence, the, the sex, it's, there is, there was no reason why this should have been anything other than R. Agreed. Um, I would say that uh, one last thing. I got to shout out one of my best friends in the world, aside from y'all, my boy Jason Chappelle, uh, who I've mentioned a time or two, uh, does tr- makes trailers for a living. Mm-hmm. And he was the man behind all the Deadpool trailers. And uh, needless to say... Uh, as I understand it, the studio is beside themselves thrilled with his work since, again, this was a character that didn't have a household brand name recognition and yet it had the biggest R-rated opening weekend ever. And, uh, so shout out to Chappelle for, for killing it with the, with the marketing campaign because it clearly, awesome. clearly worked, man. Seriously. So much love to my boy on that. And he's not a comics fan, so props <laughs> to him for pulling this off. I, I don't, I just, I'm hoping that now this will actually open the eyes for because i've seen i've seen a lot of comments or reviews if you want to call them that of of people who went to the movie and and can't believe what they saw and had they had no clue that it was going to be this violent or there was going to be this much sex and and why why weren't they told ahead of time and i don't know what more you can do than mark something as rated r i mean granted like like you said jason i mean i remember yes that Back when I was growing up, if, if somebody felt that, uh, you know, not even the eye roll, but you would, you know, they would say, I don't know if I've ever had anybody that I've been to the movies with or seen anybody online actually not be, be allowed into a movie if they weren't with an adult. But if, um, yeah, it's, it, Parents need to just stop being shitty parents and and do a better job with your kids and not let oh the movie theater let me in well that's not you bought a ticket movie theater's supposed to make money they're not going they're not policing you because then if they did say you know listen I don't want I don't think your kids should go in there then then in this great society we live in who's to say somebody would try to sue it's just it I it, it's just more of the same just bullshit with people being upset because. They didn't do their research. They didn't no due diligence. Just 
God, I, I really hope that this movie actually causes people to, to be more aware. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, huge, two huge thumbs up. Uh, thrilled. It delivered on every expectation. I love, I'm actually much happier that so many people that aren't huge Deadpool fans seem to have loved the movie. And, uh, I'm just, I can't wait. And Vince, we get cable next, baby. I know. God love the people that are looking out for me, but when they told me to, when I, when I do go, make sure you stay past the credits because there's something you, you gotta see. You're basically telegraphing <laughs> that, that cable is, is in it. And I don't know whether it was cable proper or, um, a hint at cable, but still it's gotta be cable. Yeah. Which I, and I, and I love them for doing it, but. No, I'm with you. It, but it's, it's, uh, I, I dug the Kira Knightley mention only because I, I would think just like Ryan got to play Deadpool again, I think it'd be awesome if Kira Knightley got to play Domino again. Not, not because I think she'd be a good fit for Domino, but just because this way she can continue using that, that name because not too many people are aware of that movie she was in where that was the, the character. She didn't play the comic book character Domino. She played a bounty hunter, which was based on a true story. Right. And, hmm. I selfishly now, don't I'm want not... to see, uh, see Karen Knightley just cause. No. I, <laughs> I mean, honestly, for years, fit. well, the funny thing is, is for years when you do the whole faux dream casting, for years I said Marina Baccarin would be my dream Domino. She would be. She so when they announced that she was going to be in the movie, I thought, oh, I can't even believe this, but, uh, you know, hey, it is what it is. And Gina Carano's in it. The, uh, the woman who was Ronda Rousey before Ronda Rousey. Yeah. Now, now, is it absolutely conclusive that Marina will not play Domino? Oh like, no, she's not Domino. She's she's um she's Wade's love interest. Okay, and is she alive at the end of the movie? Do you, well, <laughs> I don't, don't spoil, but all right. So you answered my question. So it, it is conclusive that she won't be playing Domino. Well, no, um, no, no, no. I don't. I don't want to mislead you there. But I'm. I'm. It would well, take some grand rejiggering for her to be Domino in the next movie. I don't, I don't know how they would pull that off. I don't like. Okay. Cause again, Domino's now, I, got physical affectations. I mean, she's got literally like legit, like, like pure white skin and then a, a, you know, a, a pure black eye patch. So I don't, like, I don't know. Like, yeah. And, and considering the background's now, not, you know, she doesn't look like that. So. Well, what, what I'm saying is that. You know, it could be contrived that maybe something happened and she got yes, if, thrown into the, the program but, or, or some kind of, but if, you know. But based on the first movie and, and how true-ish, because um, at no point do they mention, you know, Wolverine's um, healing factor. And, uh, you know, so the, I, I'm based on how little, what little I know of Deadpool and his origin. I don't know how far. They strayed, um, but I think it might veer a little too far away if if they try to make Vanessa Domino. Okay, I'm not big on the X Men movies. In fact, I've I've only seen maybe two. Is this the first appearance of Colossus, no. or has he appeared? No, in- he was in X Two. He was in the third. He was in. Uh, Days of Future Past. Yeah. Oh, looking the way he does now. No, it's, no, no. I don't. It, it was the same actor for those movies, but um, I don't know who played Colossus in this one, and we we never see him in his non-metal form. Well, you should. 
Because he's Colossus. And he's Colossus. That, that's when he's interesting. The accent was a bit much, but I don't, it's, it's, it's fine. I mean, it, it's, uh, but it, it was, it was very, uh, very pronounced, but it was, uh, and he was good. He was, he was the kind con- the, the opening credits, bro, are absolutely phenomenal because it just, it, it's not, it's not your typical movie credits at the beginning when they're telling you who's in the movie. Nice. Are they animated? Uh, no. The final, the, the closing credits are animated though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's a good time. It really is. It's, it's, it's an adult good time. Nice. I'll get there. You will. Hope so. Yep. Get there before we all talk about it on Chicago DVD. Yeah, that'd be nice. That, 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 that's, that's going to be a rough weekend because if anybody, because their double premieres that Friday. Oh, and and I know we'll all be able to be connected, and we could probably Chromecast to the goddamn TV if we're ever bored enough with the group of guys we're going to be with to watch an episode or two of Daredevil during a time where we only see each other once or twice a year. Um, but I, I will not be happy if anybody spoils anything that weekend. If I overhear anybody say anything about what happens, oh, on. it's going to be hard. <laughs> I know. Good luck. I know. I know. I mean. Wow, that's going to be difficult. It is. Of course, we all we are talking about the Chicago Comic and Entertainment Expo, what? otherwise known as Sedos Edos, aka C two E two, which is taking place at uh, the McCormick Place in Chicago on March eighteenth through the twentieth, which also happens to be St. Patrick's Day weekend, which also happens to be the first weekend of the NCAA basketball tournament, which also happens to be, as David just mentioned, the Weekend that begins the second season of Daredevil, chock full of weekend, and uh, we will all be returning to this to the Windy City for the first time in how many years? Four, three. Uh, we went to two heroes. Yeah, it's at least it's at least three, maybe four. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So uh, it's on like Donkey Kong. We got a whole crew. <laughs> we have a meetup on. Um, on uh Friday, is that right, if I'm not mistaken? Is that the Is that the revolution? Is that when we're Is that is that the I believe it is Friday, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, because there's this um, Lincoln Friday. Station. Lincoln Station. That's it. Friday the I guess that would be the eighteenth. Friday the eighteenth at Lincoln Station we are having a EOC theme to get together. Shout out to our, our friend uh, and listener Chris Revikant for for setting that up. Sweet. You guys, um, after talking Deadpool, you haven't really talked anything you've read this week. Read Harold County. Well, yeah. <laughs> according to according to both of you, you read that a long time you ago. Did. So you just had to slow it down for what, you. What would you? Mm. That's that's nasty. Nasty. Did you read anything good? Uh, I always try to read something good. Um, so that would not include Superman American Alien at all. <laughs> 100%. I, dude, we're not, I'm not, I'm not trying to bring it down, but I, I, I swear to God, if Max Landis is someone who is a Superman fan, I would hate to see what somebody who hates the character does with him. It, it's, that's that's really all my, I read. I, I decided to give two and three a shot, and that was because um, in 
Number two was penciled by, it was actually the, the art was by Tommy Lee Edwards. So I'm like, oh, okay, th- this should be good. Um, I've been wrong before. And the third issue was beautifully drawn by Joel Jones. And if there were no words on a page and, and I did not have to read the story, this would have been fantastic. But they, they, they throw Deathstroke into this story. Um, they mistake Clark Kent for Bruce Wayne and everybody's having a party and they think they're having a party for Bruce Wayne on Bruce Wayne's boat. And it's nobody knows that this isn't Bruce Wayne. It's actually someone else. And, and at the end, Bruce is all mad that someone was masquerading as him while, while Bruce is being trained by Rachel Ghoul. It's just, it's. So what are they trying to tie this into? I don't the, know. The movies? I, no, I don't know. I have no idea. Well, Andis is trying to do it now. I'm not going to know because I am, I am officially done. I, I, I gave it a couple extra issues. That's it. So. Yeah. Once again, proving that you are very willing to try current Superman books. But this isn't, this, mm-hmm. but that's on you because. <laughs> wait, wait, wait to yeah. turn that tide, bro. Thanks. No, you this know what is, I mean? That, that's completely on yes. you because you've been bitten. Uh, aside from Lois and Clark, you have been bitten many times by current Superman, and yet you still—that's oh, all right. Maybe, maybe this time it'll but, be different. But I, I decided to. I figure if if someone loves a character, then they're probably going to tell a good story about that character. And this is this is kind of like this is a um, this is like a millennial's birthright. This is just this is it. What 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 could have been. A really cool growing up Superman story, um, totally isn't. And, and it, it's just, I don't know. You use the M word, I'm done. Millennials, I don't, I don't need to read it. No, I know. And that's, and, and, but it's, I, I don't, I don't know what Superman did to Max Landis that, that would make him want to hurt the character this way. It, Spun the earth backward, that's what <laughs> But in any case, I, I, I apologize for going off way too long than I wanted to. I just had to, I, I wrote it down to make sure that I, I, I do not go after issues four or whatever the hell comes after next. I, I, I don't know if it's a six or an eight issue. I'm just, I'm done. And if, if, if you read it and enjoyed it, that, that's cool. If, if, uh, I'm not. You do you. I just, I, you do you. I wanted to, I, I, I wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt. When you have, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if any of these artists were like, Oh, cool. Uh, I'm going to work with Max Landis. He's going to tell Superman's story. I'm, I'm going to draw Superman. And it's like, I, Superman hasn't shown, he's not in costume. He's still, he's still growing mm-hmm. up. It's, it's not, I just, All I, rolls up. I, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. If, All rolls up. I hope it was a story that, 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 I hope it's a story you folks are digging and, and, uh, I'm glad you're digging it, but I, we, 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 we try not to go negative here, but it just, it, it, it I'm not physically ill, you're, you're, but it's, you're it's, I am, man, it's, I, there is like, there's, I, I feel like, I, I, I feel like Jules when, when he keeps saying what, I just, I am, yeah. I'm done, move on, there's someone else talk. All right, I'm going to give you a choice. Vince, I'm going to give you a choice, right? Okay. 
going to give you four publishers that I read something, and you, you pick the publisher, and I'll talk about the book. Okay? That's neat. Right, cool. Okay. Publishers, publishers are Marvel, DC, Drawn in Quarterly, and Dynamite. <laughs> I want to wow. hear about the. I want to hear about the dynamite one. Oh, Light that baby up. I knew you was going to pick up. that one. I knew it. <laughs> I wanted to go with the drawn and quarter. Yeah. But you said dynamite. Right, that's I, why just I like, saved dynamite. I would like to make you feel uncomfortable. I know my boo, so, so, so I was saved. saved <laughs> class was a, was a ringer. All right, cool. So, um, uh, I uh, read today, in fact, the first issue, the oh, premiere so. issue of. Devolution. Oh, that's the Remender thing. Yes. Yeah. Uh, this has been a comic that if you go on the Googles, you'll see he spoke about this comic years ago. It's coming out. And for whatever reason, it, it didn't come out. And I, I could be mistaken, but I thought it was supposed to be Remender and Jade Lee doing the book originally. Mm-mm. No. No. Who's it supposed to be? No, I said, hmm. Oh, okay. Um, but it isn't. It, it, the book is, is by Remender and a gentleman named Jonathan Wayshack. And if he's done other comics work, I apologize. I, I do not know of it. But So this is the first time seeing of him. And this is colors by Jordan Boyd, which is, uh, I mentioned Jordan earlier mistakenly, but he did do the colors here. Um, first of all, e- easy two, e- two things were going to work in this comic's favor right off the bat for me. One, written by Remender. Hard for me to dislike a Remender comic. I seemingly just love the way the dude writes. Uh, so that's number one. Number two, post-apocalyptic. Another, I'm mean, I'm a mark for that kind of thing. So this thing had two major selling points going into the issue. But that's it. There are a lot of post-apocalyptic comics, future in future future set alternative universe comics. So it does need to stand in its own in some distinct way to I think hold an audience. And I will say um, that objectively, I think Remender pulls that off. Um, it's a fairly simple premise. Uh, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. The modern world is all fucked up. Remender is very thinly cloaked social commentary here about, uh, you know, our obsession with material possessions and, and working in opiate of the masses and all that sort of thing. And that the one thing that societies all around have always adored is war. And one of the reasons that we, one of the main reasons we always go to war is over our choices of worship. And uh, seemingly every god or the worshippers of any given god hate everybody else and think that they're wrong. And in this world, uh, it leads to a nuclear war. And um, the, uh, the, the powers that be decide to create, they decide that the root of all of our problems is a belief in faith, in faith. So they try and use science to remove the portion of the brain that they have decided is responsible for faith. So that's an interesting concept, right? Love it already. Yeah. They they essentially create a serum, if you will, and they test the serum out in a certain Middle Eastern uh, like area. And, of course, because it's science gone awry, it doesn't work the way they thought. It doesn't just... Uh, devolve the part of the brain that's responsible for faith. It devolves the entirety of the biological entity. And very quickly, it just, it passes on to other species, gets into the water supply, 
And before you know it, the entire Earth has devolved into our other forms of life, ranging from woolly mammoths to saber-toothed tigers to pterodactyls to uh, man devolving into a very bestial-like Cro-Magnon form. And although he doesn't explicitly say this, at some point then in the future, which is where the book is set, there are pockets of humanity. And uh, it's a little like Crossfins in that, or like Cross yeah. Plus 100 in that yeah. they, they exist. And it's clear that some of the people are just purely human still, like completely evolved. Some are like a little, like subtly devolved, like they're a little more bestial, maybe a little more muscular, but like dumb, but they're not completely devolved. But most of the earth is devolved into savagery. And we're introduced to a female protagonist. And she is, uh, she hasn't seen another, uh, another evolved human being in years. And then comes across a town of them. And, uh, much like in The Walking Dead, in some cases the humans themselves can be worse than the, than the creatures that you're sort of trained to avoid or, or deal with. Right. Um, and that's really the first issue. It's a, it's a setup issue, of course, but, but, but I think Remender does an excellent job of setting the landscape. But, Another thing Remender's always been good at is having great artists with his creator-owned books. You know, ranging from Takini to Opeña to Hawthorne to Tony Moore. You know, I mean, he's he's had great, great collaborators. And this is no exception. Again, I, I apologize to Jonathan Wayshack if he's done other comics work. Um, but I love his style, and it's extremely distinctive. Um, it is not It is not like any other cartooning that I get in my 100 plus comics per month shipped to me. It is distinctive. It's a got, there's like a, there's a linear component to it. It's actually, you know what it's like? Um, uh, what's the, what's the, uh, it's like, I always make fun of, uh, Dap's love affair with Larry Stroman. It's kind of like a refined Larry Stroman. It, it, <laughs> it's, it's, it's now that I think about it, if you like Stroman, you're going to like this guy a lot. And, uh, it's just, I think it works wonderfully and, uh, it's a super dope story. Uh, it was like action packed. I mean, you get a lot of stuff in this first issue, setting the tone, setting, and in one issue, it sets up, you know, all of this backstory, but it does it in a very emphatic way. And, and I get the sense that from here, we're just off to the races. And there are a few pages at the end that really kind of flip it on the loop because you think like, okay, this is basically like, no matter how we got here, this is this woman surviving in, like the savage land or like land of the lost, but it's not actually that like we find out in the last few pages that there's something else going on too. That's just very futuristic and sci-fi. So super, super interesting stuff. And, um, you know, I don't know why this is a dynamite versus like image where all the other Rick, Rick's other books are, but whatever the reason it's, it's no, no condemnation of the work. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's as exciting a first issue of a remender comic as we've gotten in a long time. And, you know, that's coming from a guy who adores all three of his image books with a passion. So, um, spreading the love around. Nothing yeah, wrong. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you do get Jay Lee covers, which is one of the reasons I was thinking it was Jay Lee was supposed to be involved in the first place because he does the cover. But, uh, but man, I'll tell you what, uh, whew, this, uh, this chick is not to be trifled with. She's, she's legit. Sweet. Mm-hmm. It's on the list. Yeah, I got on the list. Yeah, yeah, definitely dope, dope. So there you go. So you picked Dynamite, as I saw. I thought you would. What was the Drawn and Quarterly? You don't have to go into it. I just want to know what it was. Well, Drawn and Quarterly would easily have won my 11 o'clock oh, for best uh, collected edition if I right. had read it last year, and that's Adrian Tomine's Killing and Dying. Okay. 
Gotcha. You love him. I do, and you don't so much, right? No, I and I I don't want to say that I don't love him. His his um both in the style of writing and the way he draws are a little too clean. Sure. A little too mundane for me. Like the subject matters of of his things are most, you know, like real world um oh, problems. Yeah, and that just yeah, I got enough of that. Um it's definitely a slice of life. I I uh um uh, I will say I don't know why I don't read Optic Nerve because clearly like most like this like much of this stuff is a reprint of stuff that was first in Optic Nerve. Mm-hmm. And I've always like I said I'm a big fan of his stuff, so I don't know why I'm, I don't I don't know why I'm not a reader of Optic Nerve. I don't I'm, it's, I ask myself that every time I read. I'll, it. I'll scare up my comics and send them to you if you want. Yeah, that's mighty cool of you. But yeah. uh, one thing too about Drawing Quarterly is they they package books so well. Yeah. Hell yeah! Like this is a it's a hardcover book. And it's got a dust cover, but the dust cover is like hard plastic. Nice. And and, and, and the cover is with cis killing and dying. You know, like so so if you pull the cover off, the book the book has no title. Like it's just it's just a it's actually a scene. It's a it's a, it's actually a picture of a Denny's. Actually, is the is the cover otherwise? Um, but love it. But yeah, I won't get too I won't get too into it because I've talked enough. But I, I will say that it's a wonderful thing, and it's it's six stories, um, and and each are, are disconnected from one another. Um, and they're, they range from, to your point, Vince, like the mundane to, to a little bit of the absurd, but, but they all in essence are, this is not a book you want to read if you're feeling depressed. Um, sure. you, you got to be in somewhat of a balanced or a good mood to read it because it's a, it, it's, it's six depressing stories really about sort of people who don't get what they want out of life or have a tough, or in a tough spot. But, uh, but I think he, he is a, uh, he is very good at, uh, at, at, zeroing in on that that part of the human condition which is um which can like almost like the uh the travails of the mundane you know like the the way that that can feel desperate and very sad if if you're not in the right mindset and uh i just thought it was wonderful i I think he's yeah i just think his work is wonderful it's uh as a as an illustrator i agree with you it's he's very simplistic i mean this is not uh I don't, I don't think it's groundbreaking artistry per se. It's well, it's well done though. Yeah, no, it's very, very capable. But, um, and, and I, but, but that said, like, he, he, he takes, he makes smart choices with the, with the structure. Like, the first of the six stories is called Hortus Culture. And in that, he, he, he changes his style to look somewhat like a, uh, comic strip. And, it's it's written as though it's a comic strip where every page is a like every page is is black and white four panel grids and then every fifth or sixth page is a full color full page script as if it'd be the Sunday version of the comic strip. Nice. So you know stuff like that like adds to the overall artistry of the book beyond uh you know beyond just the just the story that he's telling. So right. So yeah, awesome. Very very cool stuff. Do love some drawn and quarterly. Mm-hmm. You know where you can get the drawn and quarterly books? Discount comic on the book service. Ch- on the cheapness, yes. Discount comic book service, dcbservice.com. Get your stuff, get them fast, get them delivered right to your door for a fraction of the cover price. To reiterate, last time you're going to hear them. From Image, Goddamned, Trade Paperback I Volume am- 1, The Flood would be $4.99. That's half off. Gold Key Alliance from the Great Dynamite 
uh, three ninety nine cover price, your price a buck ninety nine, and the Eternal Warrior Wrath of, um, three ninety no actually nine ninety nine cover price because this is a trade paperback, uh, but would cost you four dollars and ninety nine cents. I'm gonna keep the Valiant Love alive in your travels. I implore you, and this goes for both of you too because I know you have it and you haven't read it yet. Please read Bloodshot Reborn, specifically Issues 10 and up. It is the Analog Man storyline. Oh, my God. Ah, it's um, we know the writer very well, Jeff Lemire. The artist, Louis LaRosa. I cannot praise this man's work Mm. enough. It is unbelievable. Um, There is a not so slight inspiration from Fury Road in this book. Okay. In fact, it's it's pretty blatant. Um, it's thirty years in the future. Bloodshot is an old busted old man living in a, a little uh, collective uh, in the desert uh, with magic. So I guess that worked out. Um, and their water's running out. Huh. And he needs to get more. What does he do? Goes and pulls a hidden tanker truck from his uh, secure location. The nanites kick in and Bloodshot is reborn into his uh, white-skinned, red dot, finely toned physique. Not so old anymore, but uh, thank God for the nanites. They get him out of such such shit. Um, huh. There is... There is um, uh, a new mythology for the Valiant Universe being created in this book. Um, somebody shows up at the end of issue one, whom we know very well, only he's kind of old as well. Um, it's just a neat possible future for Valiant. I personally think that Bloodshot is imagining all this, or he's in some kind of a stupor where he's creating all these things in his mind, and we're going to see at the end of this arc that, you know, it was just uh, fanciful uh, fiction in terms of Bloodshot working things out in his mind. But we'll see. The jury's still out on that. But the art, oh, my God. D- Jason, you are going to eat this up. This is this is right in your wheelhouse. All right. Yep. It's, it's why, the war Nellis coined the term. It's widescreen comics. There's a ton of shit going on here. But like I said, if, if, uh, you're not crazy about the Mad Max movies, uh, specifically Fury Road, uh, it's really smart of a company to tailor something, uh, from a movie that was very well received last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is, uh, cardstock covers, extra pages. You get some back matter detailing just how, La Rosa did what he did and, and, and company. It, it, it's an amazing arc. And that's like Lemire. You know, we know him for certain things, most of it being at Vertigo. But like Kent, it, they, these guys seem to be able to do many things and do them well. Cause this is just straight out fantasy, sci-fi, super heroics. And, uh, there wasn't much of that from Lemire at Vertigo or, or Top Shelf, mm-hmm. but he can, he can, he can do it. So read Bloodshot Reborn, issue 10 and up, The Analog Man. Awesome. Huh. Sweet. 
Oh man. Uh let's see. I'm like tell you what not to read in your travels. There is um <laughs> Oh, you and the Superman. He's <laughs> gonna hate seriously. Uh <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Taylor. <laughs> uh, man, she was looking fine at the Grammys. Nah, she, she needs a sandwich. No, 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 no. I do have to say, I usually stick up for Gaga because I like her oh, style. Yeah, but you don't, you don't she totally fucked, fucked up the Bowie yeah, tribute. So. Totally fucked it up. Which is true, Ta- but, but she engendered a tremendous amount of goodwill with the way she absolutely slayed the national anthem at the Super Bowl. I agree. She, she nailed it. I did. Yeah. I, I, I agree. I agree. Uh, in your t- and, and kudos to the, the Grammy people for letting Alice Cooper and company play for 30 seconds. Oh shit. It was over before it even started. Like, what's the deal? You're going to give tribute to Lemmy and give them three minutes to do it? Come on. Yeah, it makes no sense. Gaga got what? Like seven? I mean, granted, you know, on the, on the food chain of all-time greats, Bowie's a little higher than Lemmy. A little bit. There, there may be people that disagree, but it's the truth. Um, and, uh, so, rightly so, but still, come on. Uh, I did read that this isn't my new travels, but, um, to show how much uh, love there is in the air, especially with Jason's movie and and oh no, it's Jason's movie now. <laughs> well, kind of. I wish. <laughs> I wish I had yeah. on it. If they... <laughs> you think Rob and Fabian got a, got some nice uh, stipends? I do. From... I do get that. Yeah, sense. I think so I too. Think so. Um, I, kick some to Joe Kelly. I read Spider Man Deadpool number one. Which oh, looked oh I saw the original art for it. Oh man, the, the McGinnis Morales pages yeah. are just gorgeous. Uh, and it was a, um, but it was, it was a, uh, it was a fun romp. And speaking of Joe Kelly, that was the, as the writer. Um, but it was, it's, I, I, I'm going to check out the second issue. I, I, I like where it's going. It's, I, I think what, when it comes to Deadpool artists, I think McGinnis is, is up there. Um, who inked it? Mark Morales. Really? Yeah, yeah not Dex. Yeah, oh. Morales, yeah. yeah. Which has been pretty much the norm lately. I don't really remember the last time Dexter inked uh, Ed. But I will say, in your travels... Nova, right? Nova. Is he inking him on Nova? The the first run of Nova, I believe. Oh, that last... La- yeah, I think you're right. Because currently... Oh, actually, uh, Corey Smith is drawing Nova now. Yes, right. sir. Well, that book is—it's been relaunched. Yes. And, you know. Uh But um, I have to read New Avengers number five. I haven't read. I meant to read that for tonight. So I will say, in your travels, another character who we've already mentioned, Nova, and uh, I'm going to say, Vision, by. Damn you! Yeah, uh, I, I knew it was coming. Tom King, and Gabriel Hernandez, Walter Cullors. By Jordi Belair. It's not, um, it is, I don't want to use the, the term heavy, but it is not a, it, it doesn't really feel like your traditional current Marvel book. I, was, I could talk about Spider-Man, Deadpool, and even, even the current Amazing Spider-Man or the adjective list or even just Spidey. There are, mm-hmm. s- there are a few, uh, Marvel books right now that, that feel, even, even, um, Spencer's Sam Wilson, Captain America. That's that has a little. It, it's kind of like real world dealings, but it's uh, it's 
little bit more tongue in cheek. Vision is not, uh, I think there's, it's definitely a, a slow build. Uh, you, you, you're getting, I don't want to say comfortable. You're getting familiar with, with the characters, with the family. Uh, it still after four issues doesn't really feel like any vision that I've read ever. Uh, but I don't think I'm enjoying it because of vision. It's because of, uh, of his family, of, of the kids, of his wife. Uh, there are, and, and it really does show you that, that actions, have consequences uh, because what happens in the first issue trickles down into the uh, into the current issues as as they've been coming out and there's a um, the end of the fourth issue it's it could make you angry it could make you a little mad but it also it it hammers home the the whole the current attitude that people have where, where nothing is their fault. And, and I have, it's, it's very hard for me to stew up any sympathy for people who put themselves in, in that position. If, if you've done something, own it and, and don't, don't blame other people for it. And, and there's somebody in this issue who does, and, and he, he, the whole thing has kind of been his fault from the beginning he he's uh there's someone's trying someone is being blackmailed and uh just simply wants this this family out of the neighborhood move go away go somewhere else um but because he's scared and and uh reacts poorly um someone dies and and it's it's not a, uh, there, I, I don't think in four issues, I don't think there's been a, a happy moment for anybody in this book, which can be kind of depressing right there, but just seeing the students at the school interact with Vision's children, um, and, and the way Tom is telling this story, the, the, the way he's weaving this tale, it's, there's, you're in the now, but, the it, it's the narration is things that are going to happen, uh, you know, just nonchalantly, and that's the last conversation I ever had, and and you don't know why it could just be a throwaway line, but in fact, you know, you know why as as the issue, well, even in the first issue, is like you know they he he ended the issue with something that was going to happen with a couple that came by. To, to introduce themselves to the neighbors and, and it's just, it's not a, it's, it's a dark book. It doesn't, it's, it's a beautiful looking book, but, but in, as far as the tone, uh, Tom is not telling a, uh, it is, it's almost the opposite of Grayson. It is not a, uh, it's not a feel good story, but it, it's, uh, I, I, I'm waiting for everything. To come to head, it, it's it's uh, it, it's one of the better things I think Marvel is putting out right now. Yep. Oddly enough, I read a tribute to Mister King today from um, uh, a comments section to a completely unrelated story. And I know I should never brave the comments sections, but I'm glad I did. It was a, a piece on um, 
DC's rebirth. <laughs> okay. How they're they're getting a little uh they're getting ready to issue uh exclusives based on the books that are coming out from this rebirth thing, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. A- and uh in the comment section one of the the commenters said I guess Tom King is a target because he is the finest writer at both the big two. And I was like, damn, Tom is, he is getting traction everywhere. It's all grown up. No, it, and it's just like he went from zero to 120. Like, yes, we knew him and we know what he's capable of and we've read his books and we've been there, you know, uh, along the way to watch him like skyrocket, but it seems like, and I, I know he would disagree with this, but it seems like an overnight thing. I'll tell you what. Like, you, uh, you, people out there listening, you wanna, you wanna make it big in this game? Come on our show. That's true. <laughs> but it's Tom's not. Tom's toiling away for years. Comes yeah, on our show, he, blows up. Yeah, he has been doing the Look time. Lord Aaron were hacks, came on last year, I, Southern Baptist. <laughs> I guess that that's how it happens really. Like like when you're when you're as good as Tom and you're slugging it out, it just takes time to get the name out. Like you just don't well, explode. Listen, think about how many years he went to how many cons each year set right. up to sell his novel. Exactly. Once crowded sky, right? And with a smile on his face and I'm sure a lot of people are like, What's homeboy doing bringing a novel to a Comic Con every you know? And and uh he would admit that for a number of years, you know, he sold plenty of books but it wasn't like he ever had a line at his table and just kept going and peddling his wares and getting his name out there and taking meetings and you know and so on one hand like he had patience and perseverance but I think the other thing and and you're hinting at it which is that like he he has to have the skills right right you're beating around the bush but you're getting no 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 I'm saying you you, you, he got the shot and he worked hard for many years to get the shot but then you got to stick the landing Right. And remember when he actually got the shot? We were, we were there and he's like, yeah, I, I got a meeting at DC, yes. man. I, I, I hope it works out. He was so freaking nervous. Mm-hmm. And then, but, but and you, you, looking back, it's like, well, you, you shouldn't have been, but okay, it, it is, it is your, your chance at the brass ring. Mm-hmm. And, but once he got there, man, he blew him away. Mm-hmm. And the thing that doesn't surprise me, but on the other hand, it's like, good on you. I've heard his name in relation to Batman. I know it's crazy. Yeah. Right? It says what? For, and lest we I, lest we not blow up our man's career here, I, we we have not asked because we don't want to put him in a position to tell us if it's any truth to it. But there are rampant rumors all across the interwebs that he's linked to the to the Batman book, as Vince is saying. But right, right. But that's just what yeah. we've we've heard on, on the. On the net, and it could be true, could be not true, but it's whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, whether or not it's true, it's awesome that he's even the name is being bandied Incredible, about right? in relation to Batman, like bananas, a, right? A, a book that has been you know monopolized by Scott Snyder, and rightly so because he's he's done good things with it. But now it's Bobby it's Chulo. it's a, a James uh, Tenyon, mm-hmm. I think, is writing writing it in the wake of uh, Snyder. But we'll see. Yeah, good on you, Tom. Yeah, no it's, it does my heart good to see all this happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, in your travels, um, first I want to give a quick shout out. I meant to do it at the beginning of the show, but we uh, we we got uh, we got tracked in another direction. Shout out to a woman who is near and dear to all of our hearts, Miss Giselle Lagasse. Woo! 
<laughs> I vetted that pronunciation, by the way. Uh, I have been clamoring ever, ever since Dap hooked Vince up with that gorgeous Vampirella from Giselle, uh, which was what a year ago. Was that for your birthday? Right? Was that your, your birthday? Yeah. yeah, it was in August. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you know she's a busy woman, uh, and and I I've been sort of let it be known that whenever she had the time in her very busy schedule to open a backup for commissions, I would be front and center. And uh, out of quietly out of nowhere, she pinged me and said, "Hey, I I'm working on a kind of window here. I, I'm going to get started on a domino piece for you if you want." And uh, of course, I was like, "Do I want?" <laughs> and uh, so yeah, this week she absolutely crushed a magnificent, wonderful, fully fully inked and colored domino for yours truly. Yeah, and great. I wanted to thank her so much for it because it's gorgeous and it's. Uh, she told me it's in the mail today, so I'm absolutely just thrilled with it. It looks amazing. Um, so, chef. While we're on the subject, just uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I'd like to think that my Vampirella that David got mm-hmm. me is is in fact Ronnie as Vampirella. Mm-hmm. So all, yeah, all this yeah. stuff that's blowing up now with her and Archie yeah. and doing all the Vampirella, I got the first one. You're right, absolutely. It's true. And uh, shout out to her on her, as you said, the work on Archie, and of course, shout out to. Menage 3, which uh, David is arguably the biggest fan of in the world. Um, and we are both also big fans, but but David is certainly the chief fan there. He turned us on to it. Um, so that's, that's, a so that's a shout out. Um, I also wanted to uh, shout out um, Comic Link, which uh, Comic Link, for those that don't know, is one of the many sites where you can buy back issues and original art. Um, and they are an auction house, and they have auctions once a month. And uh, I often participate in these auctions and don't generally talk about it too much. But uh, many months I don't buy anything, but uh, some months happen to go my way. And this month I came up Millhouse. So I'm going to play a little another game. I'm going I'm to tell you guys the issue. I bought, I bought six issues from Comic Book this month. I tell you the issue, and you tell me its significance. We'll see how, how, how savvy you old school Marvel zombies are. Okay, ready? You guys ready? Yes. Yep. Okay. Avengers number 32, and this is the original Avengers, so this is a 19, 1966 cover. 32. Um, it has something to do with um, Giant Man. You're correct. Yeah, it's, um, was it first, first Goliath? Very, the first appearance of Bill Foster, yeah. Nice. Very good. Um, okay, very good. Uh, Avengers number 33, which is a little of a trick question because there's not, there's not a significant provenance to that. It's just, uh, it's the issue after that one and it's, uh, it was a beautiful copy. And I'm, as you guys know, it's my, one of my quests to have all the Avengers issues at some point. So I'm going to skip over that one because there's not really any significance to the story beyond that. Um, okay. Avengers number 137, 1975 cover date. Hmm. That's, that's Steve Englehart. With George Tuska and your favorite Dap Vince Coletta inks. Did um, they use this to pack I'm the, seeing the books in? No, I'm seeing. <laughs> Dude, the, come the on be- now. It's got something to do with the Beast. You're right. Um, yeah. Uh, there's like a what the fuck is there balls or something? You're on right, the, like, dude. You're yeah. Sick. It's John Romita is the cover. So yeah, you're very. That's very good, Vince. Yes, that is the issue. I, that's the issue where Beast joins the Avengers. That's how I remember my books are by the covers. I don't. So awesome. Yeah. Beast and Moon Dragon joined the Avengers in that issue. But being a Beast fan, I was really, I bought it for the Beast thing. Okay. Here's a trickier one. 
Although this is right in your wheelhouse at the time when you, so you, this may be easier for you than I would have expected. Marvel presents number one from 1975. Oh shit! So John Warner written story with Mike Vosberg and Patrick Boyette art. Yes. Oh shit! It's a Boyette, and I, if I don't get this, I'm going to be with a Gil Kane cover. No, to, to top it all off. Well, it's not Solomon Kane. Um, <laughs> you said premiere. Marvel presents, he presents number one. Oh, presents. I don't know. I don't know. Um, the origin and first appearance of Ulysses Bloodstone. Oh, with the fin, oh, like yes. the big, wow. yeah, right. that's right. The, the big green guy crazy. with the fin thing. Yes, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Nice. Well done. I'm I'm a visual person. I that's how all I right. Remember. Okay. Two more. You're doing good though. Very good. I'm impressed. Um, X-Men number 58 from 1969. Roy Thomas, Neil Adams, and Tom Palmer. Yeah, we, so it's got a Steranko cover. No, no, Neil Adams cover. Oh, Neil Adams cover. It's not Havoc, is it? It is indeed. Dap comes up with one. First appearance of Havoc in his costume. We meet Alex before in another issue, but this is when he first appears in costume. And it's the the blasts going across. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. All right, last one. And maybe the easiest. Uh, X-Men number 95 from 1975. Claremont, Cockrum, Gil Kane, Cockrum cover. It's the first of the new team. It's the first issue after the giant size. That would be 94. It's the, no, the, the 95 oh, so is the, the death of, death of uh, Thunderbird. Thunderbird? Yes, yeah. that's correct. Okay. What the frig did you pay for that? Do we want to know? <laughs> well, keep in mind, I have, uh, om- until, except for like the last, the first 50, of which I maybe have like, I think 15 or 20 of them, but none, I don't have any of like the first top 10. I, I have almost every X-Men issue, but, um, I did not have 95. I didn't, I don't have, I think 99. I don't think I have like, I have like two or three in the one, between 110 and 120 that I still need. And I just, have, there's no particular reason they're all readily available. I just, like I said, this was just one time where I was, but I, I ended up winning, like, Comic Link auctions stage over, like, a 10-day period, you know? Mm-hmm. So I won a few of these other auctions, and then that kind of pushed me over. I was like, well, if I'm already ordering from them, like, I could... Yeah, like, yeah. you could pretty much buy an X-Men number 95 every month from them. Like, they have a... Co- you know, like, it's a very common yeah. issue that's auctioned off. Is it CGC? Every All these are CGC. Comic Link, I don't think they even auction non-CGC stuff. Uh, so what's the what's the, the number on this? This is a 9-2. Nine two. Mm-hmm. I don't. I, so, I rarely buy like nine sixes or, or like that high because that's the price just jumps exponentially from there. I, I stick to the to the you know to the like mid eights to the low nines is kind of where I stick. I'm, I'm guessing you paid about two fifty for it. I would have to look, go back and look, but that's about right. Yeah, that's about right. Nice. Mm-hmm. It's a good. It's a good price. Mm-hmm. Beautiful cover though. It's it's a white. It's one of those. Yeah, it's, books, it's a white cover, and and so yeah. uh, it, it's hard to find a cover that presents well. Like actually, one of the issues that I took forever to buy was a uh, was a uh, Avengers fifty seven, the first appearance of Vision. Mm. See, it's that red, all red cover, right? And it, that's just a that's a tough cover to present well in in you know this this many years later. Like it's just the red fades so easily, so you really have trouble finding a cover that's like vibrant red, unless you're going to go really high grade. So. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah, so that was fun. 
Um, and I guess in my travels, I will just uh, finally get to it here. Um, Gail Simone oh. uh, with art, well, by with pencils by uh, Ken Lashley, Dale Eaglesham, and Tom Derenick. I'm talking about the first arc of the New 52 Secret Six. I believe this started way back in late 2014. Um, but I'm just getting around to reading it. Loved Simone's prior Secret Six run. And tried this really on a whim, just because of my my affinity for that first uh, series. And uh, this is a different set of, of people. It's, um, well, Catman is in it. He, he was in the original series as well. Black Alice is also in it. She was in it to the tail end of the last series. Um, but the, the, the other six, the other four members of the six are new. They are, uh, Strix, who is a female member of the Court of Owls. Now, admittedly, not being a huge Batman reader, I don't know if this is a character we had seen before in any of the Batman titles after Schneider's Game of Owls, uh, or Court of Owls came out. But anyway, she is that, uh, ventriloquist, which again, I'm gonna presume we've, you've, that character existed before this. Uh, oh yeah. Um, this is a Shauna Belzer, so like a, a transvestite that that uh, has the. So again, I don't know how how often we've well, seen, seen that person before. So the the ventriloquist is a woman. It's a man that acts like a woman. It's a transvestite. Wow, that's that's a new spin. Mm-hmm. Very creepy. Um, Big Shot, who is actually someone in disguise, but I don't want to say their real name because that would be a huge spoiler to this arc. Billy Joel. Come on. You're a bit yeah, fun. And a new character named Porcelain. Um, but a very fun arc. And it's one of those things where, um, you could read this, this, this first arc volume, uh, issues one through six in its entirety and just be done with it. Like it's a fully contained, you get the intro of this group, why they're together. It's very much like the usual suspects. They're, uh, they're all in a, essentially a, a prison and, uh, they're trapped and they have to figure out a way out. They don't know each other, but it becomes clear that there's something that links them all and they have to figure out what. And over the course of the six issues, you figure out what the antagonist is exposed from the shadows. We find out who they are. There's a resolution. Um, there is a very specific homage to the prior series in that, uh, Scandal Savage, Ragdoll and Jeanette actually appear in the comic at one point as their adversaries. Um, loved it to death. As I, I mean, again, it's very simply, if, if you were a fan of the uh, prior Secret Six run from Gale, there's no reason you won't absolutely enjoy this as well. And um, uh, yeah, I, I'm very much hopeful that uh, that the uh, they continue to reprint these because I know that the series is over. But uh, but I hope that they at least go through and finish pr- reprinting this the rest of the series. But uh, but that's you know that's to me like Gale's Gale's Villains United. And then, and then, which led to Secret Six. I think that's some of her strongest superhero work. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and this, this was a lot of fun. And she was another one in the wake of these uh, exclusive contracts that said, "Yeah, I really got a big choice to make." Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yep. So there you have it. And I stayed awesome. awake. Woohoo! Man, <laughs> you're right. You act surprised. Guy falls asleep one week. I know. On the watch now. Damn shame. Uh, 
thank you everybody for being here with us once again if you enjoyed what you heard please leave us a review on the iTunes or wherever you uh, downloaded this thing um, uh, come to our Facebook group it's lively and hopping our forum is at 11oclockcomics.com we're on the Twitters I'm there most of the time Jason and David nah, <laughs> yeah, not at yeah, all not at all same thing with the Facebook uh, yeah I'm on the Facebooks. I did Facebook today. I actually I'll actually Jason posted. Oh yeah, it's true. I actually posted a, a an honest to god original thing on Facebooks. So I didn't just share something. Hmm. Thanks to thanks to Bill Zanowitz. Yes, that's right. You did. Yeah, I, I was did. thinking about what my answer would be. It'd probably be a Beatles tune. I already answered Master Puppets or something earlier this week. I can't do that again. Yes, I would have to agree with you on that. <laughs> When I think Metallica, I think Master of Puppets. Yeah. Yep. Specifically the song Master of Puppets. Yeah. And the album. I think, but Ron asked, um, he said, uh, yeah, one, one band, one album that sums up their. Because the night really, Vince? Oh, that's, oh yeah. yeah. I mean, I love that song. I'm just, I didn't, I just. Oh, it's an it. amazing, the, the, there's an energy in that song. Yeah, that, agreed, uh, but, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm just, yeah. Figure I it would be a Zappos song or something. Because it has to be I a said, single. It has to be a public yes, single. Like you go in the single. Right, I, right, didn't right, say, I didn't say favorite piece of music. Man, what is my favorite single of all time? Jeez. Jump around by high span. Gin and juice. Oh, I get it. The white, the white boy's going to pick a white rap song. I get it. Oh. I didn't say what it's like by Everlast or anything. Damn, at least I gave it a rap song. Oh, what the fuck? Damn. OPP. <laughs> Third face. He's down oh, with OPP. He got the gas face. You are so cute. Oh, Lord. Sing <laughs> Shaq Fu. Can we rock? What's up, What's Doc? Can we rock? <laughs> I'm the Hoopa, the Hyper. Take my Viper. <laughs> oh, like my man, Dick the Boss. By the way, oh. there are a few things that entertain me more than the reaction of the other NBA players and legends to the NBA dunk contest. Uh, this is probably like speaking alien tongue to you both, but no, no I, I was watching it because Vinny was. Oh my god! Like the dunks are really cool, but the way that the other dudes flip the fuck out when a dunk is pulled yeah. off is incredible. Like, I I mean, they, like, fall on the floor on top of each other. They can't stand it so much. I just I adore the giddiness of the whole event. Just just cracks me up. I, I saw some of those dunks, and I was like, I would be so friggin' sore the next day. I would probably not even be able to get out of bed the it, way they, they, they twist and turn their body. At this point, yeah. like, like um, there's a YouTube video that looked at this year's finals and, and interlaced it with the arguably the most famous of all dunk contests, which was Michael Jordan versus Dominique Wilkins. It's the year when Michael Jordan did the very famous, he won, he did the dunk from the foul line. You know, he, he dunked from the foul line, which back then was like unheard of. And they juxtaposed like the dunks that those two guys, those two legends did in that contest, which is considered the best ever against the dunks that these dudes were doing this year. And it's no contest. I mean, the stuff these guys were doing this year, is like, defies the laws of physics like it's not even it shouldn't even be physically possible for human beings to do the things they were doing like it's right. not it's ridiculous yeah the boy was going crazy oh i was too i was losing my shit <laughs> <laughs> oh thanks everybody for listening uh join us next week we'll be here waiting for you 
David especially will be waiting for you because he gets a little bit weepy when you're not here because he loves you so much. We all do. Uh, and in the interim, say goodnight. David. Goodnight. David. There it is. Bye. Weep Come on, Jason. There you go.